Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hello and welcome to episode 189. There's no ants. Slam Fire Radio, January 13th, 2017. I am one of your hosts, Trevor. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew. And? And? <laughs> Adriel? And? <laughs> there are no ants! And? <laughs> and Matthew? And? I can tell by the show notes that you've done a lot this week in guns, so why don't you start us off? Well, I did a lot this week, but none of it was in guns. I've been uh, quite busy uh, with uh, other projects, but none gun-related. So, Adriel, what'd you do in guns? Uh, I had dinner with Thomas. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, uh, a listener of the show, was in uh, was in town, so we went and had uh, had dinner, and then he bought me dinner. So, nice. well, how you're always there. getting food? Subway, Subway, right? <laughs> You're no, still. none of that Subway. That is not enough for Thomas. We uh, we went to Red Lobster. What? Mm-hmm. Come on, <laughs> Thomas. I actually that's, have a show. That's fancy in Edmonton. So that is fancy in Edmonton. You guys don't even know what lobster is out there. You're so landlocked. <laughs> I got a show for Thomas at the end of the show too. I won't give any details, but we'll get there later. Awesome. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, uh, I made a little bit of nine millimeter. Some of that. Uh, uh, X metal targets bullets, the uh, polymer coated bullets there. And I heard uh, you, yeah, I heard you. I heard you talking last week about how slippery they are. Yep, very slippery. Um, yeah, I mean they load like every other bullet. There's not really much to say about them. I'll uh, I'll let you know when I shoot them, and we'll see if they put holes in targets. I'm willing to bet that they do. Now, did you download a little bit from your previous recipe? Uh, my previous recipe, I was using TMJs, so I don't know. I'll try a couple different kinds. No, I'm saying, like, let's say you were using uh, 3.4 grains of powder with a full metal jacket. Uh, did you dial that back for this bullet? Or are you, what are we, um, I am using 125s, and I was doing 4 grains of tight group. Okay, and did you go 124 or 147 this time? 124. The 147s were costing more. 124. And how many grains of tight group are you using? Four. I'm just, I'm looking up my... You're probably going to get the same speed at like 3.6. Mm, mm, mm. So you'll have to get them on the crony anyway. Uh, yeah. I, I just I just don't, I want to make sure that you crony a couple before you load a thousand and then find out, wow, these are snappy. Because yeah. these bullets require uh, a significant amount or a noticeable a lot less gunpowder there we go yeah it's it's late and i'm tired <laughs> okay well cool what did you do? <laughs> what oh all right uh i did all kinds of cool stuff and some bought some stuff and some stuff arrived my ccfr calendars arrived and uh what are, like i took them out of the envelope and they fell open this september i don't know and it did they just stayed that way weird <laughs> it's i know right 
So I am very much enjoying my CCFR calendars. And guys, it's not too late. It's still in the month of January. The price has been slashed. So head on over to, oh, and I ordered the CCFR beanie today. One of those cool black toques, right? So the CCFR website has all kinds of cool items that you can buy there in calendars with cool pictures inside. Uh, what else did I do? The stages for SummerSlam. So because SummerSlam is a level three match, it's sanctioned. It's sanctioned by uh, Ipsic World. So they actually review the stages and will approve or disapprove them based on ratios, round counts, target placement or target arrays, I should say, stuff like that. So you, so a match director certifying uh, or registering a level three match has to have his stages um, reviewed and approved. So my stages have gone out for approval. So that's cool. Hopefully they come back soon. Uh, if there are any changes that have to be made, and there always are, and it kind of gets under my skin because I will like submit the exact same wording and format that I did the year before and it was approved but they want me to change something the next year. I don't get that. And they're like, uh, you have to designate these poppers as pepper, as Ipsic, Ipsic poppers. Well, it's an Ipsic match. What other kind of popper would I be using? They're obviously Ipsic targets. They're obviously Ipsic poppers. Why do I have to call them Ipsic poppers in the description? They're not IDPA poppers. Cause we're not shooting. Anyway, go button and press. Um, I worked on my 10 Foglio stock three. So this is a uh, nine millimeter production pistol, double action, single action. The trigger pull was very heavy. I replaced the springs and then I went to the Titan hammer. I was told by the dealer that if you go with the light 10 Foglio extreme springs, they'll work, but you're going to be limited to federal primers, federal being the softest primers on the market. Unless you go with the Titan hammer, then you can use anything you want. So I said, well, I can't always guarantee that I'm going to have federal primers because they're expensive and they're hard to find sometimes. So I bought the Titan hammer and now it will fire small rifle primers. So the gun should be completely reliable with all kinds of primers. So I'm looking forward to getting that out. I actually set up an Ipsic belt for it. I made some changes to my holster for my classic gun in, um, in Ipsic. There's a rule that says how far the center line, and it is the center line for all of you people arguing on the internet, how long, how far away the center line of the grip is to your body, not the belt, not the hanger, not the, the, uh, the tech lock, your actual body. And so it's from the center line to your body and it has to be 50, 50 millimeters max. And I'm using a blade tech holster with a tech lock and then dropped an offset mount and it's illegal for Ipsic. So I had to shim that all up to get it tucked into my body a little bit. Uh, which is good because now the muzzle's not pointed at my leg when the gun's in the holster. So I set that up. I set up a Tanfoglio holster, uh, a, a ghost holster for my Tanfoglio stock three and a different belt. So that's ready to go if I decide I want to shoot a production match. I've got a belt ready for that. Then the um, new shell latch and competition lifter for my Versamax arrived. So I reassembled that. Tried to get out and shoot it, but it was just way too cold. I loaded a lot over the Christmas break. Like I loaded 400 rounds of 12 gauge, and I'm just dying to get out and try that Versamax now that it has the new competition lifter and the uh, and the new shell latch. How much? Uh, how much 223 did you reload? I didn't get around to doing that, but it's all disassembled. <laughs> I, I, I pulled all. I pulled all 1700 rounds. And sorted the brass by brass that was too short, brass that was correct, and brass that needed to be trimmed. So, yeah. And then I got another bucket of brass that I'm going to go through 
and send some Matthews way. Matthew was fighting with some IVI. Well, I got a whole bunch of Winchester and he doesn't suffer from the OCD that I have. So if it's a little too short for me, he has nothing. He doesn't care. So he'll get the, the stuff that's a little too short for me. Um, and I'll keep the stuff that, uh, I can trim to this, to the, to the number that I now accept in my mind as correct. So, uh, and then I started my 1022 project. So, um, as we know, I was supposed to buy a 1022 Kelly was supposed to buy me or did buy me a stock in exchange for me shaving my legs. By the way, I'm very concerned. The hair has not yet begun to return. Mm -hmm. Cool. And no, it's well, it is a little cool, <laughs> exactly. actually. Yeah. 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 So cold. Yep. A little bit. A little worried about that. So anyway, I was a Nova Scotia for the other, for some other stuff and I brought home a ten twenty two, uh, a new stack on gun safe, um, a Glock nineteen mag from that have you ever been to the Army surplus store in Halifax, Matthew? Uh no. Pretty good. Good selection of guns and um, some accessories and lots of different magazines for lots of different platforms and uh, handguns. And they actually had Glock 19 mags in stock. I couldn't believe it. And only $10 more than a Glock 17 mag. So I was like, huh. eh, not bad, really. Um, so uh, I uh, I grabbed one, and they had uh, M1 Garand N blocks. And I've never seen an N block anywhere except for CGN. I don't know if they're uh, newly manufactured, if they're leftover, if they're good quality or not. But at $4 a piece, I thought, pfft. Who cares? Give me $20 worth, please. And then um, I purchased a RCBS Case Master. So this is one tool with a dial indicator on it that's supposed to measure a bunch of different things on your brass. Case, neck thickness, bullet runout. Uh, it's a test for incipient head separation. And like any tool that does a bunch of stuff, it doesn't do any one thing exceptionally well. I'd say its best feature is the bullet runout feature. So now I know how out my bullets are, and I have no idea how to fix them. So I've got a whole new thing to worry about when it comes to reloading. Now I know my bullets are crooked, and I don't know what's causing it. Hmm. But I know they're crooked. Before, I didn't know. Now I know. Next probably is shoots like one MOA, and you're worrying because they're crooked. I don't want one. Yeah, but I want one, one MOA at like 600. Right, yeah, but so an these, MOA is an MOA. Doesn't yeah, matter how far true. away it is. Doesn't matter if it's six inches at a, at six hundred or yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Touche, Adriel. I just automatically went to one MOA at a hundred, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, last night was the uh, Rescue Gun Club's AGM. We changed our constitution a couple of years last year or something, where now the uh, terms are for two years, and you're elected on the even or odd year. So this year it was treasurer, president, and second vice president. So because my term was not up, I ran the election. We actually had somebody run against Muffin. Cool. We Yeah. Well, we, that never happens. Nobody ever wants to be the president. I mean, Chris Kingston was a president for like, oh, he started when John Moses was working on the 1911. So it's, mm. it was a while, right? a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the rifle guys ran, ran against Muffin. And uh, had to ask them both to leave the room so we could have a, a vote. And uh, Muffin was successful. So he carries on as president. Harold carries on as second vice president. And um, lucky for us, our treasurer 
doesn't know the difference between two years and six months because he's he's claiming that I talked him into the job by telling him it would only be for six months. <laughs> and last night we reelected him for another two years. He hates <laughs> hates me. <laughs> awesome. Uh, he's such a good guy. This is the guy that came up to me and uh, one day he goes, well, I got a thing with my foot or whatever, so I'm not going to shoot competitively this year. And I looked at him and said, well, quite frankly, you didn't shoot competitively last year either. <laughs> He's hanging on to that one. I got it. <laughs> oh man! So anyway, and then um, I was podcasting with uh, Sticks over at the Arm Squirrels Project about uh, brass prep and how much it sucks, but you'd never know it because he screwed up the audio, so it never made it on. So thanks for that, Sticks. <laughs> and um, Adriel, I was really uh, the show was kind of long, so I'm going to let it go this week. But last week, I was losing my mind. <laughs> Losing my mind. You bought a Keltec, and it's not bad enough that you bought a Keltec. You bought a Keltec Sub 2000. And, like, that's not bad enough. You bought a Keltec Sub 2000. That is damaged. And it's damaged because it had an out of battery discharge. Mm-hmm. So, you bought a gun that's garbage. You bought a, a gun that's damaged, and it's damaged because of a known problem that exists with them. Well, hold yeah. on. Just, just no, a no, quick wait. Sec. Give me Do... one more second. One more oh. second. I, okay, go. Was it the Glock Mag one or the other Mag one? Glock Mag one. Oh, okay. Well, there's your, there's that one thing you didn't screw up. Okay, keep going, Trev. Thank you. That was good. Actually, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad you jumped in there. Adriel, you paid two hundred dollars for this, right? Yeah. Why don't you just give? Uh, you, next time you have two hundred dollars to waste, give me a hundred. I'll kick <laughs> you, I'll kick you in the jewels, and it will be less painful and cost less than owning a Caltech. We'll see. All right. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give you ten TBD. seconds. I'm gonna give you ten seconds. To tell me why you did this, go. Uh, it's cheap. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's free. If it's broken, it's broken. Yeah, but see, he can play with it now, and he can get the experience for himself. You haven't seen a photo of this, have you? I have not. It'll get fixed. All right. Cool. Wow. It's just a receiver. It's all plastic. Even what you exactly. He's going to 3D print one. Oh, I could. That's not a bad idea, huh? Even uh, when it's fixed, all you've done is fix a Celtic. <laughs> Have you thought about that? It's a, it's a small step. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You are the Richard Hammond of the show. I have decided. <laughs> uh, Kelly's on assignment. Kelly is hanging out in Waco, Texas right now with a lot of our uh, good friends. I just got a picture. Styx is there. Yeah. I didn't know Styx was going to be there. I would have probably changed my mind and made the trip. But That was uh, Rick with them, too, there, wasn't it? Uh, is that Rick? Yes, that is Rick. That's yeah. Rick from Ontario. Yeah. That's the official photographer, the isn't official it? official photographer, yep. Oh, so damn it. got the shortest guy in the room and the tallest guy in the room. Took a picture. That's what they did. Yeah. That's clever, yeah. Outstanding. All right. Um, what, what do we got next, then? Upcoming events. Upcoming <laughs> events. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the first one. Seventh Annual Canadian Podcast Podcasters Charity Shoot is going to be held Saturday, the 8th of July, 2017, at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club uh, in Guelph, Ontario. It's hosted jointly, by the way. We haven't been saying this, but it is official. It's jointly being hosted by the Canadian Patriot Podcast and the International Liberty or Death Podcast. If you need to know how to be arrested wearing a plate carrier, these are the guys to check out. They yeah, will, they'll they'll they will, help you out with that. They will. They offer you yeah. a course in that. Speaking of courses... Uh, I'm going to ask Andrew, the host of the Canadian Patriot Podcast and owner of Ragnarok Tactical, to come on to talk about his training course 
And he will be offering a carbine training course the day before the charity shoot. Um, I'm waiting for details on that, price, round count, stuff like that, so we can uh, plug that on the show. Cool. This year's carbine. It's like a carbine, carbine? but it's like a carbine, but pronounced correctly. Um, (laughs) Um, No, carbine's correct. Carbine is wrong. I suppose you say lever instead of lever. I suppose I say combines plow field. Well, I don't combines, but not combines. Are we talking about farming equipment or rifles? Yeah, it's spelled <laughs> the same way. Yeah, just like live and live. Spelled the same way, pronounced differently. Right. It's one one's wrong and one's right. <laughs> Depends on the context. Nope, never. Always. If my you're way. yelling if you're yelling I'll out hang your up truck on wing, you. <laughs> you don't have long to live, you know. I'll mute you out. All right. This year's this, this is turning into an episode of We Like Shooting. Uh, this year's charity is uh, Many to One, and you can get more information at uh, many-two-one.org. Next, Matthew, would you please take over? No. All right. Got your six charity shoots. Second annual Precision Rifle Competition, July 22nd, 23rd, Edson, Alberta. Funds raised to go towards the Warhouse War. War Horse Awareness Foundation. Go I to my, w- I, I changed my mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Gotyoursixshoot.com. Perfect. Well done. Great job. <laughs> SummerSlam 11 being held at the Rescuers Gun Club August 5th and 6th. It's a level 3, 16 stages, approximately 300 rounds. Registration is now open. It opened on Monday, and within 24 hours, I had 70 spots sold. As of right now, this moment, Thursday night, there's approximately 32 spots left. So selling out in a week, it probably sold out by Monday. Um, it's $160 if you pay by check or money order. And $140, not $150, $140 in if you, I guess we've been saying $150. So that's why I corrected that. $140 if you pay by uh, EMT. That's a lot less. Cool. 20 bucks, yeah. 20 EMTs bucks. EMTs are a lot easier to use. And yet, I still received a money order and a check in the mail yesterday. Yep. Hey, so, some people check. just... I know, right? Checks. I can't even get checks from my like, bank. Like a person from Czechoslovakia, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, he, check comes over with, yeah he, he was trying to bring CZs into the country, but the RCMP said no. Oh, meta. <laughs> Cap's use of force <laughs> training class with Dave Young. Um, best way for us to describe Dave Young, especially to our American listeners... Dave is our Masada Yub. He teaches use of force and when to use force. The cost of the course is 400 bucks plus applicable taxes. Training uh, will take place in the town of Dalhousie, New Brunswick on October 14th and 15th. Go to www.caps-training.com forward slash sign up and it's sign hyphen up to register today. Um, I think he may have gotten another one signed up recently so there there's 15 seats in total and only 12 remaining uh you know come on out meet dave uh matthew and i'll be there maybe some other ccfr folks uh kelly's looking for an excuse to come down so so who knows um another upcoming event that i will just throw in here on the fly uh is the second annual ronnie de group memorial steel challenge so this this debuted last year when it was the uh, Rock out with your Glock out, Ronnie DeGroote, first annual Memorial Steel Challenge. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's a Steel Challenge match. It will take place on June 3rd, 2017 at the Rescue Gun Club. Um, 
you don't need any kind of special training. You don't need to be a member of IPSC. You don't need a black badge. A little bit of holster experience would be uh, great, but uh, basically you just need a, a pistol, um, nine millimeter and up. If we get enough people at twenty twos, we'll do something for you guys. Whatever, Matthew. What do you What do you think? We had a lot of fun last year, didn't we? Oh man, I can't wait to do it again. That's that's the most fun I ever have uh, at at the Rusty Goose Gun Club. Yeah, I it's love informal. Steel Challenge. I just love yep. it. It's fun. It's it's so exactly. It's so informal, and everybody's just there to have fun. It's not a big, you know, no, no. There's no egos on the line. Nothing like that. We're just out there shooting steel, having a blast. Well, my ego is always on the line, but oh, I have a yeah, problem. I went <laughs> yeah. without saying, except that you said it. So, <laughs> of course, had to be said. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. Steel is fun. The targets are big. They're easy to hit. We actually incorporate some of the uh, stages from the legitimate steel challenge competitions, and then we put in some stuff for fun. So, yeah. Uh, and Bolivar is uh, is coming. Really? Yeah, he's booked his room and everything. Wow. Yeah. So that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Adriel, how about you? Uh, yeah, how about do you the take news the thing? News item, yeah. Do that news, yeah. Uh, well, this should uh, trigger you a little bit more than uh, me buying a Caltech. Uh, uh, paintball gun photo prompts partial evacuation of uh, Nova Scotia University dormitory. Police in Halifax are telling people to watch what they post on social media after a photo of a man holding a realistic-looking paintball gun prompted a partial evacuation of a university dormitory. Investigators say security staff at St. Mary's University were shown a photo Friday evening of a man holding what appeared to be an assault rifle inside of a university residence. Police say that they were then called to the building and evacuated the floor where the student suspect uh, suspected of being in the photo lived. The student was not there, but was found at another location and was taken into custody. However, police soon learned that the item in the photo was a paintball gun, not an assault rifle. Halifax police say people should not post photos of themselves on social media with guns that appear to be real. Police have to treat these investigations as if they were firearms, which could potentially lead to dangerous situations, Halifax Regional Police said in a news release. It also ties up police resources and could result in various charges for the person posting the pictures. That was very patient of you, Trevor. I I can't believe you didn't jump in there at any point. And I apologize. I thought you were done. Um, (laughs) Well, obviously, I want to jump in there because I was at St. Mary's the next day and I was in possession of a replica sword. So that's and I made no bones about hiding it. I was walking the halls with a sword at St. Mary's swinging it. Yeah, cops didn't get called or nothing. Cops didn't get called or nothing. Weird. Yep. So there you go. Meanwhile, police are on the lookout for a 45-year-old balding man with a goatee waving a sword. 40, 45, huh? I don't know. I had to take a guess. I don't know how old you are. You know exactly how old I am, and that's not it. That's mean. <laughs> All right, 55. Yeah, I, I, uh, at least you want to look your age, right? All right. All right, Adriel, take the next one, too. Take Take the take next. Take them all. Uh, take them all. Take yeah. Em. Take them all. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well. Anyways, are you guys you're, stop you're, taking you're pictures are... with guns? They're realistically, realistic looking uh, firearms. Not the like. Maybe we're good to go with the real ones. Yeah. You can take pictures of real guns. You just can't take pictures of realistic looking guns. Mm, it's the replica At least that's rule. what they said, yeah. right? Look, yeah, I post pictures of said. myself holding guns on Facebook on a regular basis, and I've never had the cops call to me. But then again, I don't live on a university campus either. So. I was going to say, yeah, you're not a student at a Catholic yeah. university area. you got to have some sort of common sense, I guess. But at the same time, it wasn't illegal. and, and yep. That's my thing right there. Yep. They're telling somebody yep. to do something that's not illegal. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I nope. like, yeah. I Look, 
the more people who are well i mean it was a paintball gun maybe maybe buddy could have said hey check out my new paintball gun i don't want to put it on him though he doesn't have to but at the same time mm-hmm. we do live in a society where people look at guns and freak out you gotta Good bear point. that in mind but i yep. don't know yeah only so only so long until the uh canadian atf breaks into my place and shoots my cat and right <laughs> <laughs> i guess why anyways i'll run into the next one here uh, Wolverine was trying to bring in some CZ 858s. And, uh, <laughs> Z. Uh, you know, at this point, I just loved, I love doing this. <laughs> uh, Andy, Andy Shan's got me convinced, man. It's Z for all kinds of logical reasons. I don't have time to explain to you, Matthew. Well, I would reject them as reality anyway and substitute my own. Which is why I will say Z. That's Z the thing to is. do. Z or Z, uh, the RCMP <laughs> determined that they were prohibited uh, when Wolverine Supplies was bringing them in. Now, the other uh, the other ones that are in-country uh, were reclassified to non-restricted from prohibited, but it seems like uh, when they tried to bring these ones in, they, they were bringing them in and not as just the straight-up CZ-858s. They are bringing them in as a CZ-858 Tactical 2P Spartan Limited Edition uh, with real, like not beaver barf wood. And uh, that's a new firearm, I guess. So they need a new FRT. And the RCMP said, ah, those are uh, prohibited because they are converted automatics. So what happened was the CZ-858s were all deemed to be prohibited. This is a, this is a history lesson for the viewers. The viewers? Uh, you can be watching if you want. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> who, who may not be up to speed on this. Uh, so they, they prohibited all of them because they came from, in, in their logic, somehow a converted auto, like an automatic assault rifle from over and wherever. I but, think the res- the receivers were automatic, but like at the factory before they ever became a gun, they uh, made them so that they could never possibly ever go back to that right uh, so so they definitely uh, yeah you know for whatever reason they they originally came into canada as non-restricted and then the rcmp got their hands on them and said no 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 we made a mistake these are prohibited well the canadian gun owners lost their minds and we made a big stink and this was back when the conservatives were still in power and so the government made the rcmp switch it back but they switched it back for that gun only the cz858 by name and so whenever these guys, Wolverine, is bringing in these new ones, they don't have the same name. And so they're saying, well, it's a different gun. Meanwhile, the only difference is some laser etching in the stock. And right. it's the thing Well, that, the, the wood's the nice, thing, too. It's not the, the thing is, yeah. stuff. The thing to add to this, though, is the whole argument that they're making about converted auto. The, the reason why they got pulled from the shelves and all Canadians who had them were told that they were prohibited because they inspected them and said these receivers used to be automatic receivers. So here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to tell, we're not going to send a letter to everyone in the country with a firearms license, not that they would reach anyone anyway, everyone anyway, because people move and don't update their their address. But what they should have done is they should have mailed every firearms owner, every POW holder, a letter that said, some of these guns are converted autos. You need to report to this RCMP station in this province on this day and have it inspected. And if it turns out that it's a converted auto, we're taking it. If it's not actually a converted auto receiver, sorry to bother you. Off you go. They didn't do that. Instead, they said they're all prohibited. You have 30 days to turn them in, like Matthew just said, right? The problem with this thing is these are newly manufactured, and yet they're st- which well, they were manufactured from the ground up to be semi-auto only and only ever were semi-auto because they're newly manufactured and yet they're prohibiting them on this on the claim that they are 
converted autos when they know full well it's absolutely impossible for them to be converted autos because they were never auto in the first place. Yep. But because that receiver in that platform is traditionally automatic, that's what they're basing that on. Regardless, it's the same gun, and the only difference is they changed the wood and put some fancy etching in the wood. And so uh, there's zero common sense for them to be doing this, like zero. But that's what they did anyway. So we're going to see if we can sway the public opinion again and get them into the country anyway. We'll, We'll see if we're successful this time with a liberal government in power instead of a conservative one. And no, you'll see, this is there's the challenge, right, Matthew? There's nobody to slap them on the PP nope. this time. Nope. Uh, there's no checks and balances. The RCMP now has free reign to, uh, you know, do arbitrary decisions and make up rules. Yep. Yep. Mountie Law in the Firearms Lab. Yeehaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they actually have here in their comments the firearm uh, CZ858 Tactical 2P Spartan Limited Edition, yada, yada, yada. It's not specifically named in the exemptions under the regulations prescribing certain firearms and other weapons. So, therefore, you yeah. know, we can, we can deem it so, prohibited. So, what, they, what, what, the, what the FRT firearms reference table currently says is all CZ858s are prohibited, except the CZ858s that are exempt by name. And so, because this other one came in and it's not the same name, well, it, it's one of those other ones, so it's prohibited. Yep. So the irony here is mm-hmm. that there are Canadians that right now are actually in lawful possession of non-restricted converted autos, and these, which were built to be semi-auto only, are not allowed in. Right. Yay! Um, yep. Logic! Well, on to the next one here. Uh, the next one, uh, North Silva is bringing in some CSA VZ58 compacts. They've got a seven and a half inch barrel. They're, they're just barky, these barky. tiny little guys. Wow, yeah, that'll be barky. Yeah, um, I, you know, it would be really nice if they could bring them in classified as pistols. Well, but that's what I was I thinking. Just lop yeah. off the stock and call it a pistol. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Edward tried that with the yes, uh, with the did. one that didn't have the stock, and uh, they they, they wouldn't let it. It wouldn't fly. So they said no. Too bad. What was the reasoning behind that again? Like, why why can we have an AR-15 pistol, but we can't have a, a VZ-15 you know, pistol? Because we want to use the same logic. No, no, I know why. Same logic today. Yeah, I want to know why they probably would have. Uh, stop the AR-15 from being classified as a pistol. Because oh, the reasoning they gave on that one, I think, was that the receiver was originally made for a rifle, therefore this is a rifle. Right. Which the AR-15 receiver is an AR-15 receiver, pistol or rifle. So Right. So so they, they let the AR-15 through once w- without thinking. They, they didn't realize what hornet's nest they were kicking. And mm-hmm. they let that in, and that gave us a 10-round pistol mags for the, the AR-15. And then they went, dope, but it was too late, and so now they're just stopping all the other ones. Mm. And, mm. yeah, to say that we should have a 10-round a Beowulf pistol doesn't work like that. No. Nope. It's not it's the caliber that determines whether or not it's a pistol. It's the platform. It's a receiver. Yeah. yeah. It's platform. So yeah. If, you, if you decided to put... Uh, if you had a lower that was registered as a AR pistol and decided to put a... Beowulf seven and a half inch upper on it, you don't suddenly get a ten round Beowulf mag. Doesn't work like that, or do you? Uh, you know dude. what? Like if if you tried that today, I think they'd just pull some trumped up like double well, here, dual use. Here's uh, what they thing yeah. Well, it. that's what they're trying to do with the current Beowulf mags, the dual use crap. Oh, sorry. The lower would have to be registered as a Beowulf pistol lower. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what you'd have there to you do. Go. But but here's the thing. They all magazines in Canada are restricted to five rounds. 
except pistols that are in common use is the way it's worded or something similar to that commonly available pistols can have 10 round mags so you and they have an arbitrary number i don't know what it is 75 or 100 or, or 150 i don't know what it is but they have an arbitrary number of how many of those pistols need to be registered in canada before yeah. they classify it as commonly available and then how many it's allowed Ru- to have huh how many ruger charger pistols are there that's the number yeah, that's that's basically it. <laughs> that's the new number. <laughs> uh, and that's another whole yeah, crap storm. Adriel, you want to talk a little bit about the Hudson H9? Uh, I don't think I put that one in. I did, but uh, so I thought maybe you were up <laughs> on it. But if if not, I'll talk about it. I don't know nothing about it. What okay, is it? Well, Tell us about the, the Hudson. The Hudson H9 is what happens when John Moses Browning and Gaston Glock have an affair type thing. They share a special adult hug and they're, they produce an offspring that is the Hudson H9. So if you don't get it by now, what that means is somebody has actually created a hybrid uh, striker fired 1911. So it's a 1911 style gun. It has the ergonomics of the 1911. It has a very traditional looking 1911 grip. It has is a, it a steel... Poem- is it a polymer steel frame? frame? Oh, it's still steel, steel frame. Steel, okay, cool. Steel frame. Cool, cool, cool. The, um, it's a steel frame, 1911, striker-fired gun. So the bore height, they got it right. Unlike the SIG P320, where they you know dropped the hammer but kept the high bore height, not these guys. Hudson lowered that bore height to reflect the bore height consistent with that of a striker-fired pistol. Have you seen the video of the guy shooting it? I have. And, and I, it, it looks like that gun is buried. It has the flipperosity of a twenty two. It it's, really does. It's, it's not moving. It's straight back. I mean, yeah. that guy is probably crushing the crap out of it, but still, I mean, it, it looks like they did it right. I want to shoot this thing. I want to shoot it. Here's Here are my concerns, okay? One, uh, it's ugly. It really is. The, 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 yeah, the front is hard-looking. It has a pig nose front underneath the barrel. It's it's ugly. Uh, two, it's going to be ridiculously expensive. I'm hearing numbers of fourteen hundred dollars U.S. right now. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be big. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be single stack. So it's going to have limited capacity, even in nine millimeter. We're not going to see more than ten unless you get into some kind of extended magazine. So, okay, we we. It's going to guys who like the fit and feel of a 1911. Whoa, did you just say it's a single stack? Because it's a double stack. Is it really a double yeah, stack? 15 oh. plus 1. Oh, okay. For Good. 9 mil. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the only other concern that I have is I imagine this is going to be a gun with a reasonably high parts count. And it, you know, it has to be a huge success in the marketplace for a lot of aftermarket support. But more important than that is, like, we all know we can get Glock parts in five minutes. I can hang up from this call, and I can literally have Glock parts in the mail in five minutes. Yeah. Can't do that with my FN. I love no. my FN. But if in a in a situation where laws didn't matter anymore and I needed my I needed a handgun on my hip for survival, the FN is going to stay in the bag, and the Glock's going to go on the hip, and I got a bunch of spare parts all over this place for the Glock. Can't say that for a lot of other p- pistols. Like, all the striker-fired pistols that came into this house are all gone except for the glocks and the fn so the hudson's cool but i don't know if it's going to mean it's going to be it could be big and heavy is this something that americans are going to want to carry i don't know is it going to be a good gun or is it just a novelty item might make a great production pistol 
It won't. Uh, yeah, striker fired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Looks real ugly. But I don't right, mind Matthew. the look of it actually. I, I I don't think it's a good looking gun, but I don't think it's particularly ugly. I sh- I, I, see I mean, gun. a high point is ugly. It's and a high point's ugly for very good reasons. This unless this it's is, a Navy SEAL edition. Well, we're getting to that, but <laughs> <laughs> but this this one, it's it's done like all of the the things that are that are sort of off about it are off for a reason. Whereas with a high point, it's just ugly for no apparent reason that I can figure out. I don't know. I, I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate the look of it, and I'm I'm very interested in in shooting one someday. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I know a lot of guys, I spoke to Jeff Reese from the Calgary Shooting Center. If you don't shot there, you're a communist. He's on his way to Shotchel, and uh, he will certainly be uh, checking this out. Shaw is going to be checking it out. Uh, It's the thing to have. I spoke to a distributor in Canada, um, and uh, they're interested, and I imagine a lot of Canadian distributors are interested. Uh, Who knows how long it's going to be before we get it up here, but... Yeah, only time will tell, really. I think it'll be a more suitable pistol, uh, uh, competition pistol right now than anything else. We'll see. But go so go to Hudson Manufacturing. Uh, go to their website. Go to their Facebook page and uh, check out the videos. It it looks it looks like something. I gotta tell you. Yeah, it looks like something. You're right. Yep, it looks like something. It's definitely something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other news items before we move into funny classified gun ads? No. Nope. All right, so we only have one this week. But it's but a it's doozy. A, it's a very special one. I mean, this is not something that I knew existed, um, and I was pretty excited when I saw this. This is a uh, it's a high point, 45 limited Navy SEALs edition. That's right. The Navy SEALs are carrying high points, according to this, uh, this seller. What do you mean, so according it, to? I thought that was common fact. Well, <laughs> it's news to me, I guess. Okay. Um, so it's well, you the, really aren't up to date in all the things that Navy true. SEALs do, are you? I mean, come on. No, no, you're right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not privy to Navy SEAL tactics and, and equipment. That's, that's right. I'm right. So the um, the seller is asking a mere six hundred seventy five dollars for this special Navy SEALs edition high point. It comes. It comes with. Well, considering a regular high point can be bought in the U.S. for one hundred fifty bucks, this is a steal for something the Navy SEALs use, right? Oh, absolutely. Or have at least endorsed or designed. I mean, I'm not an expert in these things. Carbon fiber grips. Compretition. Compretition. Yeah. Compretition barrel. Yep. It has a Timony trigger, which also was something I was unaware of. That high points for getting uh, Timony trimmers. It has custom military sights. Now. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the slide on a high point, but how they, uh, well, that's witchcraft, I guess. Custom, uh, it has custom military sites. Uh, this is number 23 of 150 made, so there's well, only, only 100. 150 seals, right? So it makes sense that there's only 150 guns. <laughs> one for, yeah, yeah, one it has a, uh, it has what it looks to be a, uh, oh, I don't know, a Nick Star quality light hanging off the front rail. That good mm-hmm. a quality? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's definitely Nick Yeah, so, so yeah, Jeez. um, I'm jealous. Who knew? Six hundred seventy-five bucks. It's a steal because I mean everybody wants a Navy SEAL edition high Look, point. I already bought it. You guys should know. Don't bother well, looking for this because I already bought it. it well, then I soon. need I need either twenty number twenty-two of one fifty or number twenty-three. You know, and Kelly could get number twenty-one. Adriel could mm. get number twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, matching. There we go. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what yeah. we could use the uh, Patreon. Well, sequential, I think, is the word you're looking for because matching would mean we all have the same. The number. same. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't let that go, huh? You just I couldn't really give him couldn't. that one. No. Yeah. No. So when he pistol whips you with his Navy SEAL edition high point, you'll I'll not probably know. be dead because it weighs eighty five pounds. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. So all right. 
shall we jump into our main topic then? We've got a pretty special guest lined up tonight, so uh, why don't we Let's. why don't we uh, jump right into that? Joining us this week, we have Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an instructor, a podcaster, a former Marine, uh, somebody that Matthew and I call a friend. Daniel, welcome back to Slime Fire Radio. I don't think he calls us friends though, does he? It's we call we think he's our friend, but really he's like who? Are yeah, these it's guys? totally it's totally not mutual. And no. it's just, um, or active duty marine, still a marine, still a marine. Yeah, no, no, no former yet, huh? Look, if if you're gonna be picky about it, Shaw, like I can do the whole thing over. No, or, no. Or, we can, <laughs> no. Or, or if you don't want to be uptight, we can roll with it. What's it gonna that, be? That's so <laughs> Leave all this in there. <laughs> oh, you don't understand the way I work. There is no editing. Yeah. There is no editing. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome back, Daniel. Hi, thanks, man. Love the show. Uh, yeah, apparently you love the show so much that we are. Uh, and let me know if this is inappropriate, but no, it's not appropriate because, well, I don't know. You it doesn't matter. Recently, it's too late. You mentioned recently that you only, uh, you're a Patreon supporter of three shows. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. And I believe this is one of them. It is. Uh, I am a Patreon supporter of you, uh, Paul Carlson, the Safety Solutions Academy, and the We Like Shooting Show. That doesn't mean those are the only ones I like. Um, Got, they're yeah. they're. No. Yeah. But no, no, it's just that you, that, uh, you, you just like us a little better than the rest. That's cool. Not, yeah, we're not judging. No, we're not no. Judging. We're ju- They're the we're ones ju- that, as of right now, uh, I am comfortable giving them dollars and knowing that they're going to keep doing stuff and keep putting out good stuff. And uh, uh, I don't mind putting a little bit of money and helping support them do that. Well, I don't know I about it. good stuff, but we'll put out stuff. <laughs> he wasn't talking about us. He was oh, about, good. You know, yeah. <laughs> we put out stuff. They put out good stuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, Daniel, freak uh, balance to fortune. Exactly. There can't be good without evil, right? So, if every day is a sunny day, then what's a sunny day? Uh, well, thanks, man. I got to tell you, it means a lot to have somebody um, of your. Status, caliber, caliber, you know, whatever, whatever you word you're calling yourself this week to describe your awesomeness. Uh, we certainly appreciate you, uh, you helping out with the little Canadian show up here. It means a lot. So, <laughs> no and uh, I put a plug in for your Patreon. Spread that around Facebook. Basically, yeah, I, and I'm going to say it here too. If you don't support Daniel's show, you're a communist. That's just how it is. It's time to put up or shut up. You're going to listen. What's a buck, right? What's a buck an episode? You listen to the show, and it's like, was that worth a dollar? Hell yeah, that was worth a dollar. Only a dollar, but it was worth a dollar. <laughs> yeah, now is that a Canadian dollar or an American dollar? I don't know how he gets paid. If he gets, he's probably only getting eighty-five cents for my Patreon. Probably that's probably <laughs> what it is. Yeah, I get like eighty-five cents an episode. Yeah, man, no, it's uh, the the Patreon was really cool. I just started a, a couple of months ago, and I I didn't know how it was going to do, and now I'm I'm at like $155 an episode, which is really awesome because before that number ticked up to there, I still had some really big plans for 2017. I, I quit my job and I, I'm doing this full time and podcasting is, is I'm doing eight episodes a month now, which is a lot for me. If you follow gunfighter cast and you know, that they've been uh, released intermittently for the past four years. What are you talking and, uh, about? That's like the most <laughs> scheduled uh, podcast ever. <laughs> You, you know, you're probably going to get three a year, right? That's what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but I, I wanted to do it because uh, I'm in a really unique opportunity as a as a trainer, and you know, all all my friends and and colleagues that I talk to and hang out with and learn from, uh, they're they're the top of the game. You know, the, the top in the in the world in, in the firearms training, and and I, I'm scheduling classes with all of them, and my my schedule's filling up right now. Where I'm going to go take training classes with them, I'm going to record podcasts with them and some students, and there's going to be a lot of stories that come out from 
all those training courses that I'm going to take. You know, as a, a person that is by some considered an expert, I I I believe that I'm on a quest for expertise, and, and this year is going to help me. Um, move me quite a bit further in, in what I call my quest for expertise and learn a lot more. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a student and I don't just say that I'm a student. I'm actually a student. So it's, um, uh, I just get to teach people, um, usually more, usually more often than I'm taking classes, but this year I'm trying to do the opposite of that and the Patreon and the gunfighter cast supporters and me taking on a, a few, uh, companies that I believe in and as advertisers is what's allowed me to do that. Awesome. So let's actually take a step back. This is where you're at now. That's good. We covered what's new. You quit your job. You're you're going after sponsors. You're you're going to be more of a student than you have been in the past for for a while. Let's talk about how you got here for the listeners who may be new to the Daniel Shaw experience. Uh, the guys who have been with us and the girls who have been with a long time, they they know you're a friend of the show. They know we've trained with you. But let's take it back. Let's take it back to 18 years old, Ellis Island. Let's let's go right to there and, and how your career progressed uh, through the Marines as an instructor and then the private private sector. Well, Ellis Island is where immigrants used to come to back. In oh, the day. Harris <laughs> Island. Close. Uh, oh. Close, Jeff. Almost Jesus. nailed it. You cut that. You, nope. I actually. No. Nope. That. <laughs> that stayed in. I, I actually was uh, I, I'd been 17 for a month and like 10 days and uh or a month and 26 days, and, and I was on the Yellow Footprints at Paris Island, South Carolina. I'm pretty sure I, I said Paris Island. I spent about Island. 16 and a, No, totally Nellis. Oh. <laughs> I spent about 16 and a half years in the, in the Marine Corps, um, almost 16 and a half, a little bit over 16. And uh, they started offering early retirement, and I jumped all over that and had my package in like the next day for that, got approved. And it, what allowed me to do that was really my – audience from gunfighter cast that was saying hey man when you time when you put out a class i'm gonna come take it and uh i retired from the marine corps early and started a business and it did really well wife was mad at me because i was gone all the time found a really awesome company out in wichita kansas called thunderbird tactical we opened a six million dollar training facility rebranded to thunderbird farms academy and uh i was the director of training there for a little over three years and we built an awesome training program and the place is, is very successful when i was there still successful today and they're growing and doing awesome and i'm, I'm still teaching classes out there uh every year or, or a couple times a year and uh real real still close good friends out there and then I got a, a offer uh, to to move to North Carolina and be the director of training for two ranges, and the uh, I really needed to get back to near my family because of uh, family health issues with my my mother and my father, and, and um, the I, I wanted to get back there and, and be around them a little bit. So right now I'm in an RV park next to their house because we're going to start traveling a lot here really soon, and this is kind of home base. And I, I, I took that job there in Charlotte and. It, Went was about four months, uh, taught their instructors, spent a lot of time with them, really grew a few different programs and, and did a lot of good there. And there are a lot of good people down there still. And I'm still teaching there a few times a year as well uh, at Point Blank Ranges in Charlotte. And this kind of my, my home base in North Carolina for, for teaching will be we'll see some stuff on their calendar uh, if you're in the area. And if you have people that aren't Canadian listening to the show. I kept a good relationship with them, and uh, they were good to me, and I uh, did a lot of good for them, and we, we both appreciate each other. Uh, it was just time for me to move on and go back out and do my own thing because I just had a, a so many opportunities that I, I, I had to keep saying no to, and I, I didn't want to say no to them anymore. So I'm at a point right now in my life where if I'm not incredibly excited about it, I'm saying no to it. And it's not because of money. 
uh, not because I'm, I'm wealthier or have it. It's just I've, I've worked for a long time since I got out of the Marine Corps um, to, to paying down bills, to uh, to get into where I don't require much. Of it. I mean, heck, I live in an RV. Uh, I don't require much to, to sustain my family. Um, it's it we, 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 we struggle, uh, but we make it happen. But I it that part of that is fun. You know, I, I turned down more money than I would ever make and I've ever, ever made in my entire life to, uh, which is, would, would likely have been over six figures easy in 2017 to get in the RV, travel around, take classes, podcast and create video content and teach classes. Um, and I'm going to have, I, I would have had a lot more money if I'd have stayed there, but I'm going to have a lot more fun since I left. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm going to help a lot more people. I'd like to, okay. I'd like to interject and, and uh, right now, if I could then with that, because here's the thing. You're at a stage in your life where you are able to, you're, you're financially able to do this. You're physically able to do this. You and your wife are still very young. Your child is young. Easy to move your child around now than when your child's in 11th grade playing football and doesn't want to leave all of his friends, right? Now is the time to go on this adventure. That six-figure salary, that's waiting for you when you're done with the traveling, when you're weary from the road and don't want to do that anymore. And when you're going to go back to the, to running the range or running two ranges to get that six-figure salary, you're going to be even farther ahead with experience and knowledge than you are right now. This is nothing. I see nothing but win-win for you. Yeah, that, that was uh, pretty much the math I did too. And uh, I, I, I don't. When people told me when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, like, oh man, don't retire. There's no jobs out there. I, mm. I was like, well, I'm making up a job. And you make your own opportunity. That's right. <laughs> I made up a job, and it, it turned out, and it were, I was very, very, very fortunate to get accepted by. Uh, a lot of people that matter and I, in this industry, there's nothing, and I'd say any industry, but you know, this is my industry. So I'd, I'll I'll say it specifically, but there's nothing more important than relationships. And, and there's way, there's so many, uh, unethical a-holes out there. Whenever you have somebody who is not one, um, that is also really trying to do good things. And you, I, I just got accepted by the guys that are kind of like-minded and they happen to be the ones doing it the best out there. And now I get to call, um, people that I looked up to for years, you know, friends of mine, and I learn from them and we help each other. They ask my opinion on things and I'm like, really, you're, you're asking me. And it's, um, it's awesome. You know, it just opens up so many doors for opportunities. They're like, Hey, I, I had this going on, but I passed on it because I have this as a conflict. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, that looks great. You know, it's like that it's it, just because of, 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 not being one of those uh, instructors out there or YouTubers or content creators that is, you know, their ego is so much bigger than their, their ability. And, and they, they just turn, they, I think I, I just can't live that way. And it's, uh, it's helped me a lot uh, being a nice guy, I guess you could say. Uh, Matthew, did you think he was a nice guy when he was here? Yeah. Nice. Cool, Matthew. Nice-ish. I mean, I mean, now, I'm just the reason why I'm saying that is because you're the only person I continually heard Daniel tell to shut his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe it's a you problem, actually, Matthew. It Sorry, probably Daniel. is, to be perfectly probably. honest. Yeah, that, that's that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I tell him to shut up all the time. But the way you do it, it's got a certain, uh, certain that, panache about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So, <laughs> I'll see if I can work that into this episode. Can't wait. <laughs> well, if we if we play our cards right, we may get an outtake or two with it because I believe you already told them once. So, <laughs> so um, 
Next on the uh, on the uh, agenda for you then, Daniel, is SHOT Show. And I want to talk a little bit about that before. We haven't even actually touched the main topic yet. I just love having you on, getting caught up with you because you're one of my favorite instructors that I worked with and you're always up to something cool and interesting. And next you're, you're headed to SHOT Show. And uh, I'm curious, what does Daniel Shaw want out of SHOT Show? Why are you going? What are your goals? What do you hope to get out of this one? I know you've been there before. Um, what's up with this one? Well, so I, I do videos for uh, Media Lodge and GetZone. Media Lodge is the, the marketing side of GunBroker. Um, they have a, uh, a an awesome program and, and what they do, and they, they've had a website they've launched uh, a couple of years ago called GetZone that just puts out a lot of really cool outdoor content. And my affiliation with Funker Tactical and being part of that team, we, we get a gig every year where we go shoot videos for new products that are launching and companies that are out there. And I, I get to do these videos, and I, I think they're looking at them even even if I remove myself from it to the fact that I'm in those videos and I'm the host kind of thing I find that there's very little out there for shot show content that gets to the point and gets to what the customer or the potential end user would want to know in a very short amount of time in a very clean crisp video amen, uh, so I, brother amen I, that's what I, all of my videos i try to do that and and that is like and when i'm watching reviews on youtube i don't want to hear guy's opinion i don't want to hear him stumbling over the carpet and cursing at the cat i want to hear about the gun and its features and that's it yeah and i don't well, want the thing to start in two minutes and tell no. me his life story before it just kind yeah, of my uh, so i bought and, this gun down at the pawn shop and billy joe was behind the counter and well he was telling me about this time that oh i don't yeah. care no. no no daniel daniel that you just hit nailed my pet peeve don't spend me two minutes don't spend two minutes tell me about your life if i wanted to know about your life story i'd subscribe to that channel i yep. picked this video because you're supposed to talk about this product please if you don't mind sugar on top get on with it right uh i'll look up a video on how to do something to a gun how to disassemble this like a how to take the component. bolt out of a 1022 exactly if i gotta <laughs> fast forward two minutes to get to the actual removing of the bolt oh man anyway all right carry on daniel we're glad we're all on the same page yeah, so so I I'm doing videos for them, and we're, we'll put out quite a few. Some of them will be out during next week at Chacho. Some of them will be out about ten days afterwards. Um, but there'll be quite a few. I think we're somewhere slated for somewhere around twenty videos, and we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna do those, and some of these will be longer. Some of them will be shorter. It just depends on whatever it is. I, I don't we don't have a set time. You know, if the information is out there, the video is done. If if it's not, then uh, we'll, we'll it'll be as long as it needs to be. Basically, is our, our format that we go for. So, kind of my same model with podcasting is uh, my show might be thirty minutes, but if the content's out there and it's done, but if there's more to talk about, it, it might be two hours. Who knows? Um, I don't have any set times that I that I go by. So we do the same thing kind of with video. Um, I, I'm talking. I got a few meetings with some companies about some some another idea that I haven't really talked much about. I have a little bit. Um, I, I'm not going to give money details about it, but I, when I'm taking these classes, I want to tell that story and I, I want to have something in the kind of a, a TV show format. So I'm working on getting that funded a little bit, um, so I can not I can go out and I can take these classes. And a lot of the classes I'm taking are with law enforcement and SWAT teams, and and there's some other stuff. There's all there's a big mix. My wife's taking some classes. We got we got a lot of things planned and. And I, I want to tell the stories about why the officers are in that class, you know, the kind of people they are, uh, the regular everyday citizens that are in classes, why they're training. There's a lot of stories. Everywhere I go and teach, I get the same people in every class. They look different. They have different names, but they're the same good people. And I, I, there's a lot of negative stereotype out there for the gun owner out there. And I, I, I think I can tell a story that 
shows that gun owner and the law enforcement officer much more accurately the way they deserve to be shown and why they're out there doing those things. That's outstanding. Those are great goals. So I'm, I'm working on I'm working on that, and uh, if it doesn't happen this year, you'll, you'll, there'll at least be a little bit of it. But I, I want it to be you know big, but I don't know how big it's going to be. I'll find out next week really uh, how big it's going to be. Right. That, that, that's all about dollars. Here's where my plan would get derailed. I would run into like you or Carlson after the first night in the first bar, and then the next day it would be two o'clock before I left the hotel room, and I just wouldn't get anything done. But I think we would be going there with different goals, right? I would kind of be on vacation, but I would do my very best to drag you guys down into my despair with me. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I've also, uh, I'm going to be doing something that I haven't ever done before. Um, I'm going to be getting a few interviews with some people for podcast, and I'm going to be putting those out on YouTube, and then the audio will come out on, on regular podcast form um, with 360 video. So, for example, I'm going to go visit the Salandrico booth or the Nighthawk booth or, or somebody, and I'm going to be talking to somebody that you care about. And while I'm talking to them, you can move your little phone around and look around the booth and virtually be there. So I'm going to be putting quite a few of those things out. If anybody's not following me, uh, Facebook slash Daniel Shaw 0369 and YouTube, I think it's Gunfighter Cast, YouTube slash Gunfighter Cast, something like that. If not, Google Daniel Shaw on YouTube. You'll find me. Um, so will it be uh, 1080p or 4K? I have the 4K capability. It depends <laughs> on file, it depends on file size. <laughs> That's all the Facebook posts. Yeah. Not it depends good. on the file size of the of the 4K. You know, oh, they that's end cool. Up. I've I've only ever seen uh, 1080 uh, 360 videos. I haven't seen a 4K one yet. I don't know what the file size would be, but I bet you'd be quite a bit crisper and clearer. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It, it's it should be pretty cool. Just a little bit of added piece to it, you know, because yeah. there's so many people out there that are like, man, I see it all over Facebook. I wish I could go to Shot Show. Well, this is the best I can do is yep. put out some videos where you you're almost there, you know, to look around. Yep. And you you don't have to get the Shot Show crud or anything. Yeah, yeah, the disease. Everybody comes home sick. So it, it's I love Shot Show. People talk about how they hate Shot Show or they they don't look forward to it. I I absolutely love it. My wife loves it. We have so much fun. We we get there. So Sunday we have like a meeting Sunday night about the plan and how we're gonna do these videos and everything else. Monday we wake up and we're gonna be out at Range Day before they open uh, at Media Day at the Range. Uh, we've got videos scheduled with with. Um, personalities out there and and companies that we have to go get these videos before the lines get too crazy and and whenever the uh they open it up at noon for all the uh industry people it gets it gets out of control so we got to get a lot of stuff done then somehow get back after all these videos are done work on some editing do some other stuff uh wife got to get dolled up and i got to get changed we're going to the hudson it's an H9 launch party, and which is a very, very exciting gun. Probably the product that I am most excited about seeing at Shot Show this year. I um, want to shoot that. Yeah, we we just <laughs> talked about it there in the news. That seems to be the the hubbub this year. I'll be shooting it Monday, and uh, we're going to that launch party Monday night and stay there for a couple hours, and then go to one of our parties that we never miss, uh, which is uh, at the Leatherneck there in Chinatown near Vegas, and um, it's always a, it puts on by uh, by Battle Comp and a few other companies, and they always raise some money for some charities, and it's it's a really awesome uh, party that, that everybody kind of goes to, and it's a good time. So we will definitely be hungover for my first meeting that's at like eight thirty in the morning on Tuesday. Oh, morning. wonderful. Yeah. When we go, that we stop until we leave. No, of course not. No, when 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 Slamfire does finally make it to Shot Show, our party will be the one to attend. Just so you know. Okay. So yeah, because we're, we're gonna, yeah no that that's that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's that what way. we'll do. The yeah, first oh, time we go, definitely. it'll yeah. be a big deal. It'll be yeah, a big deal. Just don't put it on Monday or Thursday night. Gotcha. All right. 
Cool. Um, okay, well, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things I like about you, Daniel, is that uh, besides your commitment to being a lifelong learner, you're not one of those guys who's got his head up his ego's butt, okay? You will say, I, I tried something, and now I've changed my mind. I'm going to try something else, and maybe I'll change my mind. I don't have all the answers. I'm always learning. And you admit all the time in public, I used to do it this way. Now I don't. I change stuff all the time because I'm always learning. That's, it's, it's one of the most important things to look for in an instructor is someone who wants to continue to grow in development. And you've always owned that where, hey, man, I'm free to change my mind whenever I want when I get new information. And I'm always on the search for new information. Yep. That being said, you have made a decision recently that has not only myself but several listeners concerned. Some people have called you a sellout, a turncoat. Um, uh, an admirer of antique technology. I just don't know how else to say it, but you're switching to a 1911, and it's it has it has uh, has a lot of us concern. You put out a video stating that uh, I would never trust my life to a 1911, and yet you're going to carry one for a year. What is that about? Well, I, I am not going to carry one every day for a year. I'm going to carry one, and I am going to spend quite a bit of time and I'm going to a few of my classes that I take I'm going to dedicate the 1911 I'm going to use a 1911 the entire time in that class and I'm going to carry the gun I'm not going to carry it every day uh, I don't I don't think the gun really fits for me carrying every day yeah, I don't um, think anyone should carry one every every day and not and not not to poke fun at the reputation of reliability of <clears throat> Kimbers and stuff but uh, it's a big heavy gun even in even in nine millimeter, I don't know if I'd want this on my hip all day, every day, or in the front of my pants. Yeah, I'm just going after. I want to learn the every. I mean, I could I could have a 1911, take it all the way apart, and put it back together. You know, I, I'm not a, a novice when it comes to the 1911. Um, I have spent thousands of rounds through 1911s. I just I don't believe that I know them like I know some of the other guns that I've spent years and years with. That being kind of my only choices, only guns. All so right, I'm going I'm to spend a lot of time with it, and I'm going to learn. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to take a class or an armor's class and just, I'm going to get much more in depth knowledge. Like I, I don't know how to, uh, fit and tune, um, extractors or ejectors. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do all those things cause I want to work on that. You know, I want to, I want to figure all that stuff out and I want to know how to completely maintenance my gun do everything I need to do. And I, I just want to learn every in and out of that gun to make sure I'm making the mo- most informed decision in what I'm recommending now. No. I've got a lot of, there's a lot of, I'm very skeptical of what I'm going to find. I, I, I'm trying not to bring any biases into this at all. Um, but at the same time, you know, I have witnessed a lot of issues with the platform and there are companies like Nighthawk and Wilson and some other companies that I've seen in classes that tend to always do really well and they don't have problems with the guns. And there's some that don't do well that I see on problems every single time they come to class. I know it's going to be a problem that day. Uh, and it's it's, it's an anomaly if it's not a problem for the, the students that day. Matthew and I, in the classes that we've been teaching, have yet to see a 1911 make it through without some kind of hiccup. Now, that's not to say that we haven't seen other guns hiccup, because we've seen Glocks hiccup, and we've seen all kinds of other manufacturers hiccup as well. Of course, Glock for 1911, Glock for 1911, whatever. So I picked those two names, but we've obviously seen other guns hiccup. Right, Matthew? Yes. However, none of them bring joy to our heart like a 1911 malfunction. There's just something about a 1911 malfunction that just warms our soul a little bit more than another malfunction. Because we, 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 we make the joke. We expect it. 
I think we're going to start a pool, right? Will it jam before 10 a.m.? You know. <laughs> um, now you now Daniel. Here's where you and I differ. I've also switched to the 1911 for this coming year. Um, one, uh, I've got a buddy who shoots in the classic division in the sport of IPSC, and he he said, "Come on, join me. Come on, we're gonna we're, we'll get a spot on the on the provincial team and in a year or two from now." Um, Come, come shoot in classic with me. So I like shooting with this guy. I learn a lot from him every time I do. And uh, I got a smoking deal on the gun. I got an STI Trojan in 9mm, which is full retail, an $1,800 gun in Canada. And I got my gun practically new in box for 600 bucks. So I couldn't awesome. say no. Yeah, totally awesome. STIs are great guns. Um, That's like persist. $500 of real money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's not for a real gun. So, uh, so anyway, I'm going to give it a go. Um, but mine's a little different, right? I've, I've, I've done. I didn't do a lot of tuning to it. I put on factory ambidextrous safeties. They're not hover like they're not enlarged. I put on a, a Dawson Magwell, which obviously you wouldn't carry, um, and changed the front sight for fiber optic sight. And I put in some lighter springs. That's about it. Now, when you're seeing 1911s, um, oh, the bias thing, I, I, I'm expecting it to fail. I want it to fail because uh, one of the ongoing jokes on this show is that I'm the 1911 hater. Like we had George on here, uh, the mad ogre, and I don't think he was ready for my to, the way I run my mouth and, and rhetoric, right? And I, I think he was thinking I was attacking him because he liked the 1911, which, which I wasn't. It was just part of my stick. For the show so, so I, George may or may not be one of these I'm not sure but I, I know quite a few people who have 1911s and they swear by them and they don't have issues like they keep them running they do great and these aren't and you've got the kind of person who puts a box of ammo maybe two downrange a year yeah, that's not doesn't, running doesn't surprise me when they don't have any problem with their gun yeah. if they're shooting yeah. 100 to 200 rounds a year uh, yeah. the people who are shooting a thousand rounds a weekend like some of the people that I know that carry 1911s and teach with them and use them and shoot with them all the time and compete with them but they know how to keep their gun going they know how to maintain it they know how to keep that thing right and and they're not having issues so there's a certain person that that gun is right for uh, it's just where I'm at when I did that video and where I'm at right now is I I, I don't I, I have a gun that already solves this problem. I don't need to add in more workload and more maintenance and more this and that to make this gun solve that same problem. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I want to get so good and know the in and out so well that I reduce that workload to, and that maybe that'll affect my opinion. Maybe it won't. Mm. I, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're not for everyone. And I'm not saying you have to get in there and tune it and tinker with it and change this and change that. But you have to be willing to give it a little bit of extra care and attention. Mine, I've got a, the only thing I've done to it, well, I had a trigger job done to it, which just involved shaping the sear and the hammer a little bit. And I put in some, some lighter springs, but that's it. And it runs and it runs and it runs and it runs. And I can't get it to hiccup or do and I mean it's just 100% reliable and it's got over a thousand rounds through it so far, and I expect it'll stay that way. And one of the reasons why it will stay that way is because when I clean it, I check my extractor tension because I know how, and if it seems out, I know how to adjust it. I know when it's too tight and I know when it's not tight enough. And I'll replace the springs after every season. Maybe I don't have to, but heck, springs are cheap, and springs and extractors uh, and magazines are the Achilles heel of the 1911. 
now the um, I've got the Dawson Precision Mags. Whatever. <laughs> You're supposed to wait till the interview's done. You can go back sitting on the bench. Uh, magazines, right? We know that magazines are a huge part of making a 1911 run, and I've always heard about the Wilson Combat 47D, and that's the one to buy. Well, I finally got my hands on some Wilson 40 uh, Wilson Combat 47Ds, and now I understand why and why they run, and I don't understand why everyone else isn't copying them and ripping off this this idea. They have what every other magazine has, a solid one-piece molded plastic no-tip follower. And if every other 1911 magazine would adopt this style of follower, half the problems would go away. So um, have you decided yet which way you're going to go as far as caliber is concerned? Uh, well, right now I have a 45 from Nighthawk. Um, I, I think my next one is going to be, and I'm going to get here in a month or so, because I'm also shooting with an RMR this year. I'm trying to put every round down range with an RMR. And it's um, I'm, I'm supposed to be getting a Shadowhawk with the RMR mount on it. And uh, that one, I think it's going to be 9mm. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I think they make that gun in 9mm. If not, I, I mean, I, I, part of me wants a 45 um, to, to use that and to... To, to, to fix some of my laziness that I get from shooting nine millimeter to go back to, you know, every single shot. Like I gotta have this, this, I can't get away with that crappy grip and stance that sometimes I just draw the gun quickly and, and I'm, I mean, I'm work. I can get, I can get past it with a nine millimeter. I can, I can, it doesn't have much of an effect on me, but with the, a uh, little bit bigger 45 and a steel frame, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to have a little bit more technique and I can't be lazy. Like I, I catch myself being every once in a while. And it's wonderful when you spend some time doing that, a couple of months, whatever, and you jump back into a nine mil. Oh man, they become they become so easy to shoot. Uh, I shoot forty in competition all the time, and then when I pick up a nine mil, you know, it just it's so much easier to. I see what you're saying when you shoot the nine for a while. Oh, I can get away with a little bit of this. I can get away with a little bit of that. Where a bigger caliber would just eat you up, and you'd end up not having as the accuracy wouldn't be there. So, well. Um, I'm pretty satisfied with that then, Daniel. I'm glad to see that you're, you, you know, there's no growth if you stay inside your comfort zone. Yep. So I think it's a good idea what you're doing. Um, now, if you don't mind, I'd like us to talk about the reason we, we're having you on here tonight, and that is um, to talk about how to mitigate risks during your training classes. You've been trained. I can't even imagine how many students you've trained so far. Matthew and I are starting on our journey of becoming instructors. And I am always preoccupied with keeping the class as safe as possible and finding that balance between keeping it informative, educational, and fun, but as safe as possible. And obviously we can't, we can't, we're trying to reduce the possibility of an accident by running a tight class. And we've seen the conversation, I mean, what what stirred your, you've had two episodes recently that were really interesting to me. The episode with Masada Yub and then the episode with Paul Carlson. A little bit different. One was safety and the other one was a student's ability to make decisions with with regards to many different aspects of training. Um, I think what, what uh, prompted the episode you had with Mass was that video, that famous video that has been circulating recently. Uh, that came to light from the, um, what's the guitarist's name from Three Doors Down? Uh, Chris Henderson. Chris Henderson. Well, you had a, an awesome episode with Chris Henderson. It required an explicit rating, but I totally support your your um, 
your thought in leaving that video or that episode unedited, leaving Chris, tell it the way it was. He's a rock star, like you said, so you're going to get the occasional F-bomb, but it wasn't uh, wasn't gratuitous, and he did a fantastic job. So the background here is Chris attended. He Was he actually in that class, or was he in a class with those instructors? Uh, he was the shooter to the left of the uh, gentleman in the wheelchair. Okay. So for those who haven't His seen the video. His wife was in attendance of the class, too. Okay. So for those who haven't seen the video and don't know what, what we're talking about here, there's a video circulating that was taken at a class. Chris Henderson from Three Doors Down was a student in the class. And uh, part of the video that has everybody quite concerned is there was a student in, in, in a wheelchair at the class. And good on him for getting out there and getting training and, and, and trying to, uh, to do everything that, that he wants to be able to do. The issue was, though, that in this particular drill, the students were moving forward while shooting at their targets. So one of the instructors was pushing the guy in the wheelchair forward while he shot at the targets. Now, there was a couple of problems. One, the range terrain was horrendous, and there was a lot of debris on the ground, which was making the wheelchair ride very bumpy and very un unstable. And while he's trying to shoot, the gun is just waving around. He's not muzzling anybody. Very but it, bumpy and unstable is a great way to put a serious articulation left and right of that wheelchair getting caught on things on the range. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other concern I have is I want to know where the instructor's heads were at when they thought, the class has to move forward, so move the dude in the wheelchair forward. You tell me when a guy in a wheelchair is going to move forward and shoot at the same time. What yeah, in the seems, F were they thinking? It seems to me that could be a skill that he probably doesn't well, have to focus on. I, I would say it, it's possible that, you know, using a one-hand technique, uh, him he may be moving forward. Well, um, what if he's going, going down a hill? If, if, the, if the terrain allows it. You know, he, that it is possible. I mean, if I had a person in a wheelchair in a class, and I, I would I would find a way to do this. If we're doing shooting on the move, he needs to know how to shoot on the move. He's doing a one-hand technique, and he's moving forward. But I, I think the way that they went about it, I, I, it's not the way I would have done it. Um, but the... the with would there ever be a situation? What's the likelihood of someone pushing him over very rough terrain while he's using a two-handed grip shooting at a target? I, you know, we we start to to go down a little bit lower in our our uh, land of of what is likely uh, to, to occur, and what are we trying to accomplish here? Uh, so it, 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 it some things I saw on the internet about that was was one. Um, well, you know, he needs to be able to do that too. And if you can't shoot with two people next to you on a range, you can't do it. And with two people next to the, the bad guy in, in a public environment. So you ought to be able to do that. And like, I, I, I don't understand that logic. You know, the target is the target. It could be a circle with numbers on it and I could turn it upside down and it's still a circle, right? So it, it doesn't matter what level of risk there is there. It doesn't matter, you know, if, if my wife and kid are standing next to the target, I, I'm still shooting at that same spot on that target I, I get the stress increase and, and all that stuff whatever but when we're when we're we're basically the the risk is outweighing the gain it just doesn't make sense for me to do it and in that class it wasn't only the risk but one of the people who were downrange immediate area of, of where that gentleman in the wheelchair was firing uh, was clearly not okay with what was going on. They didn't sign on for that level of risk. And that's the instructor's top responsibility is, is the safety of the students out there on the range. And I, in my opinion, and the way I run my ranges, uh, I, I would say that there was a failure there. Uh, if I had done that, I'd be failing my student that did not sign on for that level of risk for him. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. The, uh, the, I mean, you said it best, risk has to outweigh the gain. So everything you do in the class involves risk, but is it worth what you're going to get out of the activity? Have you seen the latest video? Well, I say latest video. I only saw it recently. I don't know how old it is. The instructor is standing next to the target and he's having a student about seven to 10 yards away, shoot the target while he's standing there. And then he berates the class with this wonderful speech and says, this is totally safe. And if you're not capable of doing this kind of drill, you have no business carrying a gun. So uh, are you talking about the video where the guy, there's not a class, but he's just giving, there's the guy shooting and he's giving, he's reading the safety rules and all those things. Uh, VSO gun channel, I think it is. I, I don't know. So I, you're I, right. It may not be an actual class, but he's standing next to the target while somebody's shooting the target. He's literally next to the, it looks like a USPSA target with a head box or whatever. So I, I, I don't think I want to have time, but I was planning on doing a video, um, uh, something like this. So just, you know, some targets up and my wife and kids standing next to the target and then acting like I was about to shoot the target and then basically tell the camera that that's just completely stupid. Why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. It is unnecessary is yep. the, the main way to put it. It's just completely unnecessary. Uh, there, there is no reason why I should do that. So here, here's my, my spiel and, uh, I'll, I'll give it here to this episode instead of what I was going to put out by myself. And maybe I do included in, in an episode of gunfighter cast in the future so don't get mad at me if you listen to this show and that one and you hear this again but i i have tr- i have trained with the the best that the united states has to offer um i have i have everybody from marsoc navy seals force recon uh, i was at thermot uh, naval support facility in this past summer you can Google that and figure out what those Marines do there. And I, I spent six days training them. I, and, and, and having these kind of things happen, they, they, they told me to pack my stuff and leave. If I would have done anything remotely close to what was in those videos, it wouldn't have been acceptable. Even at that high level, I developed curriculum for the guys who, uh, guard the, the Navy nuclear, uh, security program, uh, the guys who go to white house communications center and, and guard some of our, our nation's highest assets. Um, I was a, a weapons team leader. Uh, I, I gained the title through the Marine Corps security force program of, of combat weapons master instructor, uh, which is a, a very, very rigorous program to, that requires a lot of hours of teaching and testing. And, uh, it, it was, it was one of the, it was a, a tough accomplishment that I, that I did. And there's not a whole lot of names of people who have done that. Uh, or, or made that 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 requirement for that and got signed off by the uh, the commanders there, and I I have been in combat, uh, you know, multiple times. Uh, sometimes in combat, I, I, I've 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 been a part of operations that that involved ODA, you know, uh, Navy SEALs, um, I, just for regular us old regular Marine grunts, uh, force guys. I, I was part of a special team where I did hostage rescue, oil platform recovery, took down uh, naval vessels, level four VBSS, which is the complete non-permissive. Like you're taking fire even as you're fast rope or laddering up that's uh, I've, I've done all those things I'm not saying that because I want a cookie or anything I, I've also got a medal for valor and heroic achievement for leaving a cover and concealed position and exposing myself to enemy fire in combat in the city of an in Iraq uh, somewhere in the vicinity of March 23 2003 because I had a lieutenant that was stuck in some water because we were about to drown as we were on a recon patrol and I, I left that cover and concealed position and ran uh, while I was getting fired at and rounds were impacting around me go up cracking over my head and I exposed myself to the enemy pulled him out of the water threw him on my shoulder carried him away led the patrol back uh, to friendly lines because our patrol leader was down and I, I got a, a medal for valor for those things but I am not okay with putting someone downrange 
when somebody else is shooting. And if that makes me a pussy based on your assessment, whoever out there is making this assessment, I'm going to go ahead and say that you have your priorities out of whack. You don't understand what it is you're doing. Uh, you are at a, a your, your, your ego is much higher than your experience level. Uh, your ego is much higher than your ability to think critically. It's a, uh, it's a dangerous thing. And the more it keeps happening, people are going to get hurt and die. I saw an instructor that, that people were coming out defending this video. And just like the one where the guy's downrange given the safety brief that he had to read his notes for like 30 seconds to, to get the first safety rule. It's inexperience. That's the, call me a pussy. If you want, I have trained and I have done, uh, I don't know what all the people in these videos and everything. I'm not going to guess their resume or anything else, but uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm not a pussy. And I'm pretty sure the people that I hang out with that also think that is wrong and it shouldn't be happening, they're not pussies either. And I, if that's the case, then somebody has to be wrong here. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's not me. All right. Yeah, man, that's yeah. it. Yeah. There's nothing else needs to be said. No, not really. And I'm so glad that it was said on this show. That was that – was, you nail. I mean, that's it. There's nothing else needs to be said. Let's uh, let's move into how Matthew and I become safe, competent instructors and minim- minimize risk in our cl- in our classes. Now, obviously, Matthew and I are not of the we're of your mindset, right? We're going to do some cool stuff, but we're not going to do anything stupid. We understand the balance between risk and gain, so we're we're kind of somewhere between. Masada Yub's approach and and maybe your approach and and Paul Carlson's approach. Um, it's just how do we how do we structure our courses in such a way as to just keep keep everybody safe, keep ourselves safe. Uh, what are some of the things that we can do to minimize that risk, to control that line? Uh, do we do we need to go the Full extent of Masada U parade rests holster safe, no scooping equipment until you receive the command. Or do we go to the other end of the spectrum? Maybe it's not all the way on the other end of the spectrum, but do we go take the approach where, hey, you talk to the person to your right, you talk to the person to your left. I'm sure you guys are adults and safe and smart enough to work it out that you can bend over and pick up your magazines whenever you feel like it. Right? Where's the balance there? What do you what, what do you think? You know, it, it all depends on the instructor, and it depends on the class, some too. And what level is this class? You know, where where are they at in their in their quest for knowledge, and their training, and their quest for expertise and proficiency? So it, it it varies class to class. If if you know, in when I had those Marines up there in Thermont, or when I have some of the SWAT teams that I get to hang out with, it's uh, you know, I I there's a level of expectation that I have that I uh, you know almost like big boy rules apply. Here's a deal, but. You're gonna get your PP stepped on if you're not complying with what we know to be safe weapon handling of firearms, uh, and and it's not acceptable. Now these people, whether they're a, a defensive shooter, the regular everyday armed citizen carrying a gun, or SWAT cop, or you know special forces operator guy, they have to use their gun in an environment where they also have to solve problems that sometimes may not involve the firearm. So I, I believe it to be a feature of, of my classes because I want to develop free thinkers. I don't run an incredibly, you know, to, after what I said about not having anybody down range, somebody might would just hear that and think that I'm running some range where you're going to unload show clear after every drill. Because that's not the case. 
I don't, I don't, that's not the way I run a range. Uh, I try my best at the beginning to establish peer pressure. Here's the standard. Here's how you will handle the guns. Here is what we'll do and what is acceptable and what's not. Now let's load them up and they're going to stay loaded all day because you have, you carry your gun every day of your life. Who am I to tell you you need to unload it when you're hanging out with me? So I, I want your gun to stay loaded. I want your gun to stay loaded all day long and not unloaded because I want you to be held to a high standard by your peers that are out there and me as well. And I want them to hold me to that standard. And if they're not used to carrying a gun, I want them to gain that experience of carrying that gun, that little bit of stress that they may get because they're not used to carrying a loaded gun on their side. It doesn't, it's not, it's nothing to me to have a loaded gun on me, but there's some people out there that that's a, a level of stress for them. And I don't mind that. And I I'm holding them to a high standard and everybody else is as well out there in that class, in that controlled environment, because I want them to be able to do that later on, and if they are proficient with it, they understand that gun, and they, uh, they're they ready to carry a gun, I want them to be carrying the gun. So if I can help get them confidence in doing that, even better, because I got one more good guy carrying a gun out there that knows how to use it. So the, the balance is, one, I have to have a class that is safe for me and the students and any other instructors that are out there. I have to have a class that the students actually grow and they learn in, and I... There, there is a balance there where I, I don't. It's, it's to me, it's like it's common sense, but it's, it's not fair to say common sense because not everybody has the that has done everything that I've done, has seen everything that I've seen, and and I don't say it in, in, in an arrogant type way, but it's just I have more experiential knowledge than a lot of other folks that are out there. And yeah, and 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 Masada, you've said in the episode he was on with you, maybe you learn at a slower rate than other people, and I'm sorry for that but I can't allow your slower acquisition of knowledge to put my other students at risk. So that's another thing. You can't assume your students know what you know, obviously, but we also have to consider that as well. Maybe there are some people out there among us. Matthew always tells me everyone learns at a different rate. That's why he speaks slowly to me. The <laughs> fact is, it's a fact. Like, we're going to have people in our class that aren't going to catch on to some things as quickly as others. And, I mean, you have to account for that as well, right? So you need to have a plan for that. And and I... I call them like my troubleshooters or the the person that like or that guy, and I'll, I'll have I'll say all right uh, if I'm teaching with an assistant I'm like okay that and I, I usually am I, I do my best to always have an assistant with me I'm like hey that's the, that's our person right there that's the one and they know that's all I need to say or I just point and they'll they'll get it that's the person I need to stand next to they know that my expectations for that assistant instructor at that time is I've got to keep this whole train moving. You make sure that cart right there keeps learning and stays with the class and stays safe and doesn't endanger himself or anybody else. And there's a time where, you know, there's small little techniques. Like I, I will, I like to hang out toward the back right of the class in a lot of cases. Uh, if it's rifles, I can see ejection ports, um, almost everybody's. And I'll move around when I'm seeing something, but I'm able to see everybody a lot better from that, that position. And I will put that person right there in the area where I'm at the most. So I can constantly influence whatever their decisions are. I can, I can coach them. I can be like they're in a boxing match and I'm in, I'm their corner. If they run into a double feed or a reload situation, I am coaching them and talking them through that. Keep the gun pointed this way, drop that magazine. And I, I'm, I'm just coaching them through all these little details. And I, I'm doing it in a way that, that really directs them how to do it until they're ready to go do it all by themselves. And it's just, it's, it, you're you're always going to have you're not always but you're you're going to often have somebody who just doesn't understand that you don't point guns at people they're just not used to holding that gun so 
you have to set really, really strict parameters at the very beginning. And so, I, for example, I, I go over my brief or my safety rules, and then I talk about what I expect of them, how they should handle the gun. When we're on the line and there's nobody in front of you and it's time to do something with your gun, then it can be out of the holster. If we're not doing something with the gun and I'm in front of you or you're anywhere else on this range, there's absolutely no reason your gun should come out of the holster. Uh, pretty much every time I've gotten muzzled in the last couple of years is because somebody drew a gun from a holster when they had no business drawing a gun from a holster. And I'd tell them, like, hey, everybody's seen a Glock 19. Nobody cares. You don't need to pull your gun out to show anybody your gun. We've all got them. Nobody, nobody it doesn't matter. So how do you, how do you react when it happens? Somebody's on the line and you're, you're, you're doing a teaching moment over here and you notice to the corner of your eye, somebody's got their gun out and sure enough, yeah, it's a Glock and they're showing it to somebody for some reason. How do you react in that instant? And you know, you there's a, there's a good point in there too. I, I do notice it out of the corner of my eye. I, I am constantly watching and thinking oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. and the whole time if I'm in front, uh, I will move to a position where very quickly where I need to go. Um, so I'm not going to get muzzled. And then I will tell them very directly that put their gun back in the holster and say, you remember that time when we talked about it this morning where I said your gun shouldn't be out of the holster. That was one of those times when your gun shouldn't be out of the holster. They're, they're, what, what, there's no need for you to do that. And I give them the time when they can do it, explain to them what they did wrong and what they shouldn't do again, and how they should handle that in the future, just like anybody else in any walk of life, in any industry, any job, any class, anything else, um, they're they're super new. I'm not kicking them off the range right there immediately. Now, I, it depends on the severity of what's going on, um, and and with the way they are. But I I I I I exercise extreme ownership. You know, like I, 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 I've been doing it for years. But then I read this book by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin called "Extreme Ownership: Two Navy SEAL Commanders," which were just awesome. And I, I do it such so, such a more higher level now than I used to from that book because it really changed the way I look at a lot of things. If if my kid does something bad, it's my fault. If 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 the if I can't get through to my bosses what I need to get through for whatever I'm trying to get past in this company, then it's my fault. It's not my boss's fault. My frustration shouldn't be with somebody else. I failed to lead up the chain of command or lead down the chain of command. I failed to direct my child the right way. I failed to direct those students the right way. So it's, it's how I, it's, it's, it's my fault. If that happens, I should, I created a situation where this unsafe act was occurring because I didn't give the proper knowledge to begin with or because of something that I did in that class. And I've got to make sure that I rectify that and explain it properly. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I just, it only happened to me once and I was so like surprised that somebody was actually taking their gun out when they weren't supposed to. I won't say hit, I, I hit the go button, but so a lot of folks, very, a lot of folks like, I've seen many instructors uh, just like not say anything, like freeze, oh. like like just stare, like what's going on. Like, oh, no, no, I was in, like, I was immediately not... I was immediately correcting that person. They knew, in no uncertain terms, that they had done something they were not supposed to do. But I didn't, it didn't make a huge deal out of it. I didn't embarrass the person. I didn't. What do you think you're doing? I just said. Who the f told you to take your gun out of the holster? You know, I, I don't, I don't go to drill instructor on them uh, when they do that. I'm like, stop, put it back in the holster. Yeah, I'll handle it differently you know, next like, time. Like, remember you, this, or what were you doing? Uh, this, this, and that. Like, remember when we talked about this? You know, I'm being stern, but I, I and they're probably embarrassed a little bit. But usually, they're like, "Yeah, okay, I got it." I, I've, I, I, I'm, str- I don't, I don't sugarcoat it with them either. You know, like I look. We've got this next level coming up next week or this this class going on. 
I need you to come take this class again before before you can come do that because I I'm just not comfortable with where you're at right now. You need you got these things to work on the way you're handling the gun. You're you're not really going to be ready for that one. And uh, I I'll be here and this time I'll come spend some time with you. You know I, I give them a way to to do it, but I because I my ultimate goal is is I I want to make people better, and I can't do that if I if I if I send them away. But at the same time. I, I've got to keep my class safe and I've got to keep my class moving and I've got to keep everybody learning. And I, I just, I, there's a certain point where, you know, the person's just not going to be able to finish the class. And I find I'll, very often that a lot of the students that, because I, because of the way, and it may be partly what I'm doing, but because of the way I explain to them what is expected of them and what they're doing wrong. And I, I believe that if I let somebody get away with doing something wrong or unsafe or anything, if I let them get away with it, I might as well have taught it. Like they, they, they deserve that from me. If, if they, if I, if I, they paid their hard earned money and they're giving up their time to come hang out with me to learn. And if I let them get away with doing something unsafe or wrong, then I just failed them. That, that I, that's the opposite of what I should be doing. You covered that in one of your last shows and I couldn't agree more. And the point you were making in one of your last shows was I tell my instructors, if they see someone do something wrong and they allow them to do it, they might as well have taught it to them. And yeah. I couldn't agree more, and I say that to my archery coaches. Jump in there. Your so, job is to correct them. Because of that, usually, um, and, and I, I tell them, again, like, you know what, if, if, I, if, if you don't want to receive my coaching or you don't want to receive my information or you don't want to do that, and you know, I very rarely to run into the person who doesn't. Uh, but every once in a while you do. I mean, it's pretty rare. Um, I'm like, I'm sorry because you're going to keep getting it. You know, that's it's just it, it's it's just I, I it's what I feel that is my obligation. And if that's not the kind of instructor you want, and I'm not yelling at you. I don't I don't go no. up there and, and turn the drums. I'm just like, hey, that thing you just did. Remember this right here? Or I'm I'm coaching them through it, or I'm talking while they're doing it, and and trying to get them through the things the right way, whatever it is. And I'm I'm correcting them whenever they're doing something wrong or or unsafe. Or you know, it, it, and I'm I'm not superhuman, but I have seen <laughs> so so many dangerous things on ranges in my life. Uh, I, I believe that I have developed, uh, a sixth sense. Like I, I, I can tell you when somebody walks up, if they're going to be a problem that day, how they safety before they even touch a gun, I can like look at the person and tell, um, I can, before they're about to do something, I often know that they're about to draw their gun from the holster when they're not supposed to. Um, I, I see these unsafe situations happen, not every time, but a lot of times before they even happen. And, uh, when I am, I'm able, I, I may let it go until it's about to happen and I've a hundred percent confirmed that it is. And then I stop them because then I have created or I've allowed that teachable moment to happen. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you start to be able to read the body language and then, you know, to, to cover my butt, I'll say, were you just about to, Oh, you weren't okay. Good. Carry on. And maybe they were. But they don't want to admit it, but they know I know, and nothing happened, and we all but, move forward. But then, it's a, but then it's an easy spin. Well, if exactly. you were, or yeah, if anybody was yeah, about exactly. to do that, here's yeah. what we should have done. Yeah. So, okay, well, we're, we're going to have to wrap this up, Daniel. But before we do, um, Matthew and I, new instructors, want to grow, want to learn, want to develop. Uh, if you could give us one piece of advice, some lesson that you learned somewhere along the way that's changed your outlook or made your your classes safer, keeping with the safety theme here for, for this topic, uh, what would it be? Oh, man, I could have like 50 answers for this thing. This could be like a whole other show. You know, you one thing, safety-wise. Safety. So or, or throw throw anything at us. We're new. You know, You're going to want to help us out. You're a nice guy. I could, I, could, I could go a few different ways, man. Easy, sure. like... Um, I would say take some 
take as many classes as you can. And I, I know that that's not the easiest thing to do in your, your current geographic location. Um, but you're going to see it done right. And you're going to see it done wrong. And you're going to learn from that tremendously Absolutely. every single time um, that, that you see it and, and take notes. And the, the biggest thing is don't be direct, uh, concise. Uh, you don't have to explain every detail of everything you want, but when it comes to to safety and and what you're doing, um, I, I I don't you you asked before the show or the question that came up with was you know mass does the parade rest, completely unloaded guns, a holstered and all that stuff before they leave the line, and I'm telling people don't pick anything up, and I'm telling people to pick up their magazines if they need to. I, when I said earlier that I want to develop free thinkers, is I I not only do I need to train them to use their gun and shoot gun, I need to train them to think in a world that involves guns. You know, and and if picking up a magazine off the ground or picking up something off the ground a quarter as you're walking through a parking lot, it's not a big deal. When you're on a range and you got somebody to your left and your right, and maybe I need to pick something up, maybe you're with your spouse or a partner as a law enforcement officer, and you need to to assess a wound or handcuff somebody. You know, there's there's so many situations where I need to solve little small problems, and it's we need to be able to communicate and do those things in an environment with people around us. And I think that we're able to do those things with, with, without risk, you know, as long as the people are, are communicating and we're looking around and assessing what's around us, we can easily pick up things on a range without them. So altogether, uh, the way, the way I run the range today is different than I've ran the range, uh, 15 years ago and, and a lot, or, or I guess 12 years ago or so. Um, I guess it might be 15 years, but it's, it's so much back then. It was so much more strict and, and, and the way that I, I would do things. And that now I, I realize that I can through, through some of the things that, that, I, that I've learned and from other classes that I've taken and from teaching for a while and figuring out how to, to say more with less words and how to get more across, uh, with less, with less energy, I guess you could say, um, I, I think that I'm able to run a very, very safe class that, allows the students to also be free thinkers and train software along with the hardware because uh, we want to get more proficient with the hardware because that lets us it frees up our software the more proficient we are with the hardware um, but we have to be able to do there's a balance between wow this is way way overboard range activities that we're doing and i'm spent at the end of the day after unloading, showing clear, and all these different things, I've wasted, when I add it all up, I've wasted an hour. This may be the only class that students ever taught. Is there a way that I can accomplish the same level of safety, but also put more meaningful content in that time? And I'd say to keep it, the number one advice, keep an, keep an open mind. Um, experiment, you know, with, with people that, that you trust that are safe with guns and, and try things and um, don't be afraid to change your mind just because it's the way you've been running the range does not mean it's the way you should be running the range. Uh, there may be a better one, better way to do it in terms of getting more information across to the students, being safer, um, and also preparing that student more for the reality of violence. Outstanding. Um, well, if I can sum it up, then here's my takeaway. We as instructors need to have a solid plan. We need to be consistent. We need to develop strong communication skills. And we have to be willing to change and adapt and grow. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Daniel, well, do me a favor. Before we let you go, you got a lot of new sponsors happening. Plug everything. Where can we find you? Who should we support that supports you? Just just run with it. Yeah, man. Uh, I 
people who've been listening to Gunfighter Cast for a while will know that you know, I, I, I've always said that I will accept no sponsor unless it's something that uh, one that that company's got to be of high ethics, and two, would would I would I would this be a product that that I would that I use? And and everybody that I've taken on sponsors are, are products that I use every single day uh, that I spend a lot of time with and that I, I have learned to trust or the best in their field. Um, one Cabela's is uh, is one of my sponsors, and Cabela's is uh, I'm Cabela's pro staff. I do some stuff for them on the defense and tactical side, some writing, some some video, and and uh, some some photo stuff that should come out here in, in 2017. Uh, the more as I got involved with Cabela's, they uh, they sent me this contract, and the contract was nothing about winning at whatever I do or, or being successful at competition or any, or better shooting big deer. It didn't care about any of that. They were, the whole contract was uh, about being a good person, and it was. Uh, I just thought that was absolutely awesome, and uh, a great, a huge Second Amendment supporter. Um, the Cabela's is, and I think they have Cabela's up there in Canada now, if I'm not mistaken. They have one. Uh, <laughs> he said, <I'm> a b- <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, we have one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> it, it was awesome being a part of that company, and I, I'm a huge fan of Cabela's. Always I, when I was a kid, I used to uh, circle things in catalog that I couldn't afford that I always wanted, and I was on the cover of their uh, uh, their shooting catalog. You couldn't see my face though; I had a hat on. But the and it was behind That's the option. That's why it made it. That's but why it was, it was. <laughs> exactly. But it was but it was totally me. All my friends knew it because I have that hat. All uh, three of them. All three of them knew it was you. Yeah. <laughs> yep, they sure did. And uh, but no, it was, it was really cool being a part of Cabela's. Uh, Nighthawk Custom. Uh, that's that's really one of the, the inspirations for me doing a lot of 1911 this year. Um, because I, I was like Nighthawk, you guys know I got a video that says I don't trust my life to a 1911, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we we, we don't care. And I'm like, all right. So I, I I've shot a two day Nighthawk class, and uh, we had like. Um, like 15 people in the class, everybody shot like 800 to a thousand rounds. And we had zero stoppages in those two days with all those rounds going down range. So, and, and since then Nighthawk has been my number one choice in, uh, in any 1911s recommended for students or anybody else. I just, I've, I've personally seen them perform and, and I've, I've shot more rounds through a Nighthawk 1911 probably than any other gun out there. And so a lot of confidence in that. So, uh, Nighthawk custom, uh, in my opinion, the best ones out there. And the uh, Bravo Concealment Holsters make a really solid holster and uh, made 100% USA down there in Texas. And uh, I, I really dig the uh, the DOS and the DOS L holsters. They're sending me a new prototype for a new holster here. I just got an email earlier that I think everybody's going to like a lot. Um, that it's a little bit more concealability kind of in the same nice platform that the the DOS is. Uh, they make a they make a solid holster. And with really my favorite thing about them is they got really awesome clips. And I've got a coupon code for them actually where you can get ten percent off. Uh, if you use the coupon code gunfighter, you'll get ten percent off a Bravo concealment holster. Uh, primary weapon systems and bootleg, uh, same that bootlegs, primary weapon systems uh, sister company. Uh, I've been shooting a primary weapon systems rifle for over three years now and can't recommend them enough. Awesome guns. There's a lot of good rifles out there these days. Um, PWS is definitely one of them near the top, if not the top in their piston category. That long stroke piston they use, it's like AK reliability with AR accuracy. Uh, all around awesome product. So that's pretty much it uh, that, that I, I've got. And um, just getting the bills paid uh, with, with those guys and, and fortunately to be a part of those companies because these are all companies that I, I love their ethics and, and what they do um, and I, I've got a, a really really fun thing going and they're helping me make it happen and I hope it helps out a lot of students and a lot of listeners out there as well Outstanding. Uh, guys, you got anything else for Daniel before we cut him loose? No, I think no, that's that was great. Awesome. Alright, well Daniel, um, 
Kelly, sorry she couldn't be here tonight. I know she would have enjoyed this, but on behalf of Kelly and everybody else, we'd like to thank you again for, for coming on. And I'm looking forward to having you back on and hopefully seeing on or seeing you on a range sometime in 2018. I know 2017 is out, but 2018 should be a training year for me. So I really hope we can get together and do something soon. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, I hope my rant came out good. Uh, I am probably not going to listen to it because I hate listening to myself, but uh, I'm sure that I will get some love and some hate from it. And I I always enjoy both. It's a lot of fun. We'll we'll send it on if we get any. Yeah, I, I can't imagine getting anything but love for that. Cause I'll, it even, was, I'll uh, even write some if you want. Sure. You go. I'll write some hate mail just to, you know, spice things I'll re- up a bit. I'll, I'll reply with a shut up. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Nice. I'll even I'll, I'll do it in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Thanks again, Daniel. Take care, man. Yep. See you guys. Awesome. Look, I. you guys know I'm a fanboy. I don't care. I'll admit it. I got a lot of, well, I don't know if a fanboy, but I have a, just a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for the man. He's doing great things for the industry and, and helping yeah, and people. Yeah, Daniel Shaw is cool, too. Yeah, this was mostly about you. You're right. Yeah. No, I just wanted so, to make sure everybody knew that. Yeah. Now, you wish you could do half the things that Shaw does. To If I could do half, I'd be doing well. Exactly. Quarter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, his No, it's always reason. fun having him on. He's he's a cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, right now, his whole reason for being is to help people live better lives. Yeah. Genuine. I mean, it's just, just awesome. So check out Gunfighter Cast. Um, support him on Patreon. He, I mean, you know, this is his living, right? He he, he needs the Patreon. He needs the sponsorships uh, because he wants to spend uh, time being a teacher or being a student, learning more, and, and then giving back. So. What's why? How, how can you not get behind that? It's a worthy cause, and you're getting good content out of it. So yeah, why not? Absolutely. And the way his Patreon is set up, you can choose to pay a buck per episode, and then you can cap it. So his goal is to put out eight per per month. So if you're only supporting his show, well, eight bucks a month, whatever, right? Um, but if you're like me and you support a couple of different shows, I capped I capped it. So he could put out as many shows as you want, but I'm only paying for three. <laughs> right. So there's, you know, you go, go. And, and I have to tell you for our Patreonies, I appreciate each and every one of you guys for putting in the effort because the Patreon website is okay, but it's not the most user friendly thing out there. You've taken the time out of your busy lives to log in and support Figure our works. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I you know, it's one thing to go on to iTunes and leave a five-star review and insult me. That's cool. I appreciate it. But it's another to, to go out of your way to give us money to help make Slamfire Radio possible. So, thank you very much, guys. I want you to know that we understand what it took for you to do that. Listener feedback. That's, that's um, a really underhanded sort of compliment uh, for Patreon, wasn't it? By kind of saying that their website sucks in a very nice way by thanking our listeners for slogging through it to... Use it to Look, give us money. as long as as long as the right people got put up and the raw and the right people got put down, then yeah. I'm satisfied with yeah, what I said. Yeah, you're doing well. I mean, that was just it was yeah. just very, very nice. Good job. Yeah, yeah. And I learned a thing or two about rants tonight from from Shaw. Like, yeah. I, I my go button is a joke now, or to put <laughs> you know my go button in Shaw's words is a. That's <laughs> well. I'm, see, I'm, I'm going to have to bleep that one. Yeah, you can bleep mine. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> All right, hey, uh, Matthew, do you want to take uh, the email here from the whale? From Spencer. Hey guys, loved last week's episode on buying and selling guns. 
Now, when someone starts yammering at me how the laws in the U.S. are so lax, you can buy guns right off the internet and have them sent to your door, I can tell them, nope, that's Canada. We have tough gun laws here in the States. For example, <laughs> unlike you guys, we aren't allowed to mail firearms through the U.S. post office as private citizens. Only licensed dealers are allowed to ship guns cheaply. If normal people need to ship a gun, FedEx and UPS are the only real options, and both require overnight service for handgun shipping, which is eighty to a hundred dollars. Both companies also that's that's eighty to a hundred dollars U.S., which is like six thousand dollars Canadian. Both companies also require a licensed dealer, gunsmith, or manufacturer at one end of the shipment, so you can't just send a gun to a friend that way. Also, I'm pretty sure buying a gun from someone outside of your own state requires a licensed dealer to be the intermediary. I know that's the case for handguns, and I'm pretty sure it's true for long guns as well, although there may be some exceptions there. In fact, the only way I know for someone without a federal license to get a gun shipped right to the door, uh, as is, uh, is to buy an M1 Garand from the CMP. They can still ship right to your house because that's how Congress set it up. By the way, if you want to see what a state-of-the-art range looks like, check out the CMP range just over in Talladega, Alabama. Pretty amazing setup, and it's only about an hour or so from here outside of Atlanta. Finally, as a complete aside, the Hearing Protection Act was introduced in Congress today. Fingers crossed. And that comes to us from Spencer in Smyrna. Fingers crossed, or possibly ears plugged. Yeah. Ears plugged. I have no idea what the CMP is, and I don't know why they get to ship grands to people, but that's cool. Congress it's apparently. It's the civilian marksman program. They like, yeah, they get access to sweet grands, and cool. uh, I'm super jealous. Cool. Mm. All right. Mm, I concur. All right. I got this next one from Chris because he's a, well, he's a douche. Uh, <laughs> dear, dear Slamfire host, sorry, sorry. I got a few episodes behind in the podcast recently and just got caught up. I missed the leg-shaving extravaganza, and as I listened, I felt that I had a suggestion. You should have kept it to yourself. <laughs> there should have been a tiered incentive system to encourage donations. For example, $200 of donations, Trevor shaves one leg to the knee. $400 worth of donations, both legs to the knee. $600 worth of donations, both legs to mid-thigh. $800, both legs and beard. Have you seen this thing? <laughs> you can't shave this thing. It's never coming off. You a can't thousand... shave this. <laughs> oh, I wonder who's going to get that. That's awesome. Well done. Oh, that's all Tommy. If Tommy's listening, he'll get it. That's about the only one, probably. Mm. Uh, $1,000 worth of donations, both legs, beard, and arms. My goodness, man. What's wrong with you? Everything but the head. I wonder why he does one thing. $1,200 worth of donations, both legs, beard, arms, and eyebrows. 1200 bucks. I don't think so. Uh, I think that something similar could have been uh, could be done for the SKS shoot. Don't worry. So here's a suggestion for the SKS shoot. 200 bucks. Trevor shoots an SKS. 400 bucks. Shoots an SKS. Uh, whole wearing a dress. I believe that was supposed to be a while. Sure. 600 bucks. Trevor shoots an SKS while wearing a dress and heels. 800 bucks. Trevor shoots an SKS while wearing a dress, heels, and a blonde wig. <clears throat> Blondes do have more fun. 1000 bucks. Shoot an SKS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they would feel even dirtier than usual. 1000 bucks. 
Before shooting an SKS, Trevor gives a speech about the virtues of the SKS while wearing a dress, heels, and a blonde wig. Fifteen hundred bucks. Kelly butt strokes Trevor with the SKS while he's wearing a dress, heels, <laughs> and a blonde wig. Thanks for the great show. I'm giving you two silky smooth latte <laughs> latte legs for all the effort. Two silky smooth latte legs. My goodness. Uh, Chris from North. Windsor, a.k.a. Detroit, Michigan. Nice. North Windsor. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, you need help. I think I told him that in an email. He said, wow, that was cheaper and easier than my therapist. Adriel huh. from Kyle. All right, Adriel's gone. So, Kyle says, 45 <laughs> Super, 45 Gap, 460 Roland, 454 Casul, and 357 Sig are all relatively rare calibers. Are there any rare calibers you guys would like to see become more common and therefore cheaper? Are there any common calibers you think are com- are a complete waste of time? <laughs> 45 ACP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you all for making such an entertaining show. All right. Well, uh, first of all, let's go from the backwards forwards. Common caliber that uh, can pretty go away because it's a waste of time. Not the 45, but actually the 40. I uh, the the forty doesn't need to exist anymore in my opinion. Nah, it it's it's in the same frame as a nine millimeter, um, and it's no more effective. We know now that proper propellants and bullet construction that create the proper wound channel are all that matters. And what all that really means is use a rifle. Yeah, am I right? Yeah, use yeah. a rifle. You, you use a rifle. Use whatever handgun you're comfortable with, but use it to get to a rifle if you need a gun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, 9mm has come a long, long way. The FBI was using the 40 because they didn't think the 9 was any good, and now they're back to the 9, and that yeah. is because of the development of the bullet and how it's constructed and the wound channel it can create. Yeah. So the 45 ACP, again, yeah. There's better bullets. There's better propellants. So the 40, 45 ACP is still relevant. And, I mean, the sure. 40 is going to benefit from all those developments as well. But you just don't need that little thing stuck in the middle. I don't think so. No, you, use I, a, I, no, yeah. Use, use a rifle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, I've, I've read study after study that the end conclusion is all handguns are basically the same. doesn't matter what you use. What's more important is you hit what's important. Yeah, and then, until you if, get into like the bigger ones. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm talking. Meg, I'm talking yeah. like uh, your regular carry. Thirty-eight yeah. up to forty-five. Anything between yeah. thirty-eight and forty-five is is a it's a handgun. And yep. pick which one you can shoot the best, and which one. I mean, they all have attributes. They all have pros. They all have cons. Pick the one that that cl- most closely matches your personal opinions and your personal beliefs and your personal um, whatevers. Uh, preferences. There is the word I'm looking for. Preferences, and then and then go with it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, as for what which ones do I think should be more common? Uh, you know what? Uh, bring them all. I, I like guns. I like yeah, them, but I, you in, know. In those ones that he listed, uh, if I was going to pick one of those, I'm I'm very much not familiar with the 45 Super, 45 Gap. I'm experienced with. Shot it. Have some brass here for it. It's kind of cool, right? Uh, That's like the 45 uh, Gaps, like. Uh, like it, it, so, if, if you looked at uh, like a ten mil and the forty, the, the forty-five is like the ten mil, and the forty-five gap is like the forty. Is that am I am I right? Forty-five gap is yeah, a bit yeah. shorter. I think that's a wonderful way of explaining it. it uses all the brass. Uses a small uh, pistol primer 
but it is the same. It uses the same bullet. Typically, it's loaded with a 180 grain. Okay, so it's the same it, bullet, but just a little bit shorter case and a, a small pistol primer instead of a big one. Your yeah, your your analogy of the 45 uh, or the uh, 10 and 10 and 40. Yeah, 10 yeah, and okay. 40 is perfect. Yep. Cool. Uh, so out of these ones, I would like to see more 357. That's Sig. the one I was going to pick too. Yeah. I, I like uh, the idea of a bottleneck pistol cartridge and not because i mean yeah you get a little bit better velocity that's great but what i'm most interested in is better reliability in feeding because you're putting a small point into a big hole it's you're going to get better feeding Mm -hmm. yep i've never heard anybody complain about the reliability of a 357 sig uh staunch little cartridge man oh yeah i I shot him in they they blocks. say that the the high end 357 sigs match the low end 357 magnums. I mean that's something coming I out of I think you yeah, you could probably even get to mid-range 357 magnum. That'd be cool. I mean, I know we can't carry around here, but if I could carry out in the woods, I'd probably carry a 357 sig and and mm-hmm. be comfortable with that for for black bear. Yep, a nice a nice 124 grain well-constructed bonded bullet. Yep. Some you know something like what's in the critical defense. Yep. So you uh, you have the power of a revolver with the quick loading of a of a semi. Yep. I mean it's it's snappy, man. Um, yeah, follow up shots are going to take longer. I mean, there's a lot of recoil, but it's just a, a very powerful package in a in a yep. handgun. Yep. So. All right. Um, did we still lose Adriel? Is he back? Yeah, yet? he sent me a message saying that his internet cut out. So. Hmm. He's got that cheap Edmonton oil sands. Uh, yeah, he's rebooting his modem. So by the time he gets that Brilliant. done, we'll be done the show. So the perfect yeah, all time. Right. Yeah. All right. Good night, Adriel. Good night, um, Adriel. So <laughs> if you would like to email the show, you can do so by sending an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. We actually have an iTunes review. Uh, the Apple Seed Princess, Miss Stacy, sent us one in. And it comes to us from the, the Fluffy Canuck. Super. Five stars. Title. Awesome. Review. Awesome podcast, fun and helpful. Short, sweet, concise, and accurate. And well, well, I think so. But well, it's it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, please feel free to uh, to get on there and leave us one, even though it's a pain in the butt. Uh, and we're always interested in reviews from uh, countries outside of North America, just to see who else is out there and actually putting up with us. Yeah. So, shoutouts. This one is from Kelly. Kelly says, one year ago, I was on my first Slamfire episode. Happy anniversary, guys. That's cool because uh, we were kind of similar. I just had my five-year podcasting anniversary, so it looks like we kind of have some similar dates there. So a year later, she's actually part of the team, and we're mostly happy to have her. Um, mm. <laughs> no, wait, no, wait. That's that's Adriel we're mostly happy to have, isn't it? Not even mostly, Or is no. it me? We're not even... Uh, Let's just move on. Uh, Ash, I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> oh, on come purpose. on. That doesn't sound like you at all. I know. <laughs> uh, so my 1022 project, uh, we kind of blasted over that a while ago, but I started the 1022 project, and uh, it came in a camel stock and a camel receiver, and the barrel ended up being bubbed. And so I ended up getting a smoking deal on the gun. As a result, 100 bucks off the price. And I went to Slamfire Radio's Facebook page and said, guys, I need a 1022 barrel. And within minutes, I had a 1022 barrel for 40 bucks. Nice. And that's Ashton. So, Ashton, you're the man. You stepped up. Not only, it's actually Cerakoted in uh, Flat Dark Earth. Cool. So, yeah, that was cool, right? And then 
somebody on TGN had the 20-inch target barrel, which is the barrel that's one inch in diameter. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's cold hammer fired. Right? It, it's heavy. I used to have one. Mm-hmm. So that came on for a, for a super deal. So I picked that up. And my next shout-out goes to uh, uh, Mr. Uzi. So Mr. Uzi is just a, I don't know, man. He's an awesome guy, and he supports us in huge ways constantly. Uh, buys Adriel lobster. I'm assuming you bought him lobster, but maybe you bought him the crab. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Uzi gave Adriel crab, so you heard it here first. Yeah, heard it here. Yeah, it must be true. Yeah. It's on the Internet. Yeah, so, yeah, no, Thomas has been a huge supporter of not just this show, but all the podcasts, and uh, he did me a tremendous solid, so thank you very much, Thomas. I really appreciate it, brother. Patreon supporters, we got a couple of new ones this week. John D. is in for 223. Yeah, it's Josh. It is Josh, yeah. That that definitely says Josh. Josh D. and John D. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's really just Josh D. It is just Josh. And Andrew Young is in for 7... Uh, seventy-six two. That what that is? Seventy-six two by thirty-nine. Yeah. Why did yeah. um? Why did Andrew Young get his whole name in instead of just Andrew Y? Is he extra uh, special or something? No, uh, somebody just not consistent with the note taking. Oh, that, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Andrew Y gets seven point six two by uh. Well, just by, and Morgan S. Uh, pilot friend of yours. Yeah, uh, he's has- a cool guy. Yeah, very hey, cool. Hey, Morgan, that picture of that uh, the the plane on skis there that you kind of put that filter on and made it look all grainy and stuff, can you send me, like, the original of that? Because that would be a really cool picture had you not applied that filter to it. <laughs> and I'm told that I am the worst kind of person. <laughs> I'm just saying. Can I, have the, for- can I have the picture before you screwed it up, please, yeah, Morgan? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah. So he left SummerSlam. And was driving home, and he saw a tank or an APC on the side of the road, and he was inspired by SummerSlam. He got out, put a couple of Ipsic targets on it, took pictures of it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and left uh, sixty beer behind. What a nice guy! Oh, he is a nice guy. Yeah. Um, and well, he, this is how nice he is. He has actually upped his contribution to seventy-six-two. Seventy-six-two. So, yeah. yeah. And to all the other current Patreon supporters, thank you so much for hanging in there month after month and pledging to support the show. We really appreciate it. Yep, we do. Uh, what else we got? That's it. Uh, Adriel's join. Back. Hey, Adriel. I was here the whole time. When? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I had to pick up your slack. Yeah. He's like, Adriel, oh, can to... you read this? Crickets. <laughs> yeah. So please, uh, please join one or more of our national firearms associations. You know, we've got the CCFR, the CSSA. There's a couple other ones out there that we should be naming here. The Canadian Firearms Institute. There's, there's a lot of good people out there working to help you. Don't think of these groups as being in competition for each other. They are no more in competition with each other than municipal law enforcement is with federal law enforcement. They're both enforcing the law. They're taking different approaches to it, and they have different roles to play. That's what your firearms organizations are like. They complement each other. They do different things. But one thing they all have in common is they want more rights and privileges, more rights, privileges, and freedoms for you as a firearms owner. So support as many as you can. Check us out on CGN. We have an awesome little thread over there that nobody posts on, but we love the we love CGN anyway. We just don't. I hear you're looking for GOC. Yeah, GOC. What did I say? You said CGN. CGN. You need to cut that. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. 
Nope. This is, this is how we work. That roll, is boy. the worst it's just faux a, pas five yeah. years of podcasting. <laughs> mm, is it? No, no, I don't Nathan. think it is. No. <laughs> I, I think Nathan is on his way to see me right He's now. He's probably on his way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be sorry when he arrives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I won't blame. You the should gun apologize owners, profusely to him right now. Yeah, I am kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I've met the man. I've not met the other guy who was ruining CGN, but I've met the guy who's making GOC a success. How was that? Was that? That's did I get good. Right up? No, did I get a little could, brown on my I, nose I, there? You, I think you're doing all right there. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I'm up to my neck. Uh, anyway, yeah, Gun Owners of Canada is a great website. Uh, friendly crowd and uh, lots of stuff to check out and amazing contests month after month. I don't know of any other gun site where you can win the stuff that you can win on Gun Owners of Canada. Yeah, I got some cool stuff. Like us on Facebook because we are at 1,601, and this show is now officially in competition with the Reloading Podcast. And uh, although I'm on both, no, I'm going to stop right there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like us on Facebook, and it's the new year, kids. We're, we're looking for some thumbs up and some gold stars, so feel free to send that tomfoolery over. And... Um, that's, you know, that's really all I have to say about that. Uh, all right. Cool. Until next week, everybody. Keep your stick on the ice. And be shoot good to each straight, other. Shoot straight, shoot safe, and shoot often. You can mm-hmm. burn this. What else do we got? And I'm Ron um, Burgundy. I'm, I'm Ron Burgundy? No. No, you guys aren't, actually. <laughs> You're wrong. I, har- I hardly even am anymore. <laughs> yep. Shoot uh, off the mech. All right. On that awkward moment. All right, then. Good night. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.